When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi everyone, welcome to episode, can you believe it Mark, episode 20 of FPL Black Box. Where has the time gone? Doesn't time fly when you're having fun, eh? it's crazy, absolutely crazy. <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't believe it when I wrote it out myself. It's, uh, I wonder, I mean, how many episodes are we going to get to, do you reckon? How many, how many are you thinking of doing with me? How long are you going to put well, what, what was your target with the, the Scout cast? It was more than last of summer wine, right? Yeah, so 360 something, something like that. I don't, you know, that's a long time. I, that's a long time. I did that episode with Granville. Did you see that one where, where we, mm. uh, we did the episode where you, we overtook it? And uh, Granville came up from the chair to the music. It was, uh, it was glorious. Yeah, wonderful <laughs> times. Well, we'll see how far we get. But episode 20 is uh, quite a big achievement. I'm quite pleased at that. Yeah, and, uh, yeah nice. It's, uh, it's been a pleasure to do those episodes with you. And uh, yeah, the season well, continues. Thank you, my friend. And what an interesting season it's been. Um, yeah, relentless. That's the, yeah. that's the word. It is, though. It's what it feels at the moment. It's like we're... Quick turnaround on the game week again. And we're not the only ones. There's so many podcasts out there having to turn around content really, really quickly. I mean, it's it's great in a way. There's so much football. But at the same time, it, it's quite hard to keep pace with it all, isn't it? It is. Yeah. And we talked about it before, you know, with all the games. It's, I, it is quite, it's relentless. It is. It constantly feels like I'm thinking about football, watching football. Uh, and I think I've I've definitely lost some enjoyment of of FPL and, and football, given what's going on. I mean, I'm very grateful to have it at all because obviously it could be completely cancelled and that would be even worse. But it's, yeah, I'm finding like matches that I would normally be really excited to watch are kind of almost feeling a bit like a chore at times to sit through. So I'm trying to I'm trying to be a bit more balanced with the games I watch and the games I don't watch now. And I think that's helping me get a bit more excited again. Yeah, that is it. I can't watch every game. I mean, it's it, I mean, crazy, isn't it? A few years back, if you just said every single game you piped into your living room, you'd be like, that's amazing. But... It's 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 life wrecking in terms of your relationships and your family. So it's, I have to I have to really kind of be careful and ration it a little bit, and then just have to make do with highlights on some matches. Um, but yeah, I mean it's it's just crazy times. And, it, and it, obviously, when you're having a good game week, it's brilliant. But when you're having a bad one and that drip feed, it's it's like agony, isn't it? Yep. It really is. So um, we'll talk our, our game weeks, of course. Um, we're going to look at some interesting stats I've got today, just on. Um, bargains that are available because I mean I think you've touched on this previously you've looked at this and the fact that the heavy hitters compared to some of the value players out there just aren't performing and so I've got some interesting data which shows the last seven game weeks mm. and the top performers and how they rank up against some of the more expensive assets and it's just so surprising how you could have got by with you know on a shoestring um, and it's come at a time when you know obviously we got no De Bruyne and no Kane, no Vardy. So we've all got money in the bank. We've all got crazy amounts in the bank. And when you consider that that feels odd 
But when you look at the players who have performed recently, it actually doesn't because there's so many am bargains I, available. Am I right in thinking that mm. if you'd made a dead team with a with a squad that was worth seventy seven million, you'd be winning FPL? Who told you that? Where did that come from? I read I read that somewhere, and I can't remember where, but I'm sure I saw that stat somewhere. Well. I mean that that could maybe be that could be entirely possible. Um, so when we look at the data I've got later, I mean that that does look you know feasible. Put it that way. Let, let's see anyway. Um, so we're going to talk about that. We've got our watch list. We're bringing them back because it's been a while yeah. since we looked at them. Um, so I thought this will be a good time to revive them and look at who is attracting attention. We're also going to look at um, the double game week and blank situation. I believe I believe there's been a development on that tonight. I think a tweet. Um, from a, mm-hmm. a Man City or some information from Man City uh, coming through now about the likely double game week that they're going to have before game week 26. So we're going to touch on that. Um, lots of stuff. We'll try and cram in as much as we can in the next hour and a half to two hours. We'll see what we can do. Not um, long to digest it. No, we're not, are we? we? We do indulge ourselves, but, you know, that's people people seem to part <laughs> with it, so it's fine. Um, let's look at our game weeks then. Let's start with yours as um, 59 oh, points God. overall. But that was with an eight-point hit, wasn't it? That's the thing. <laughs> yeah, so I did the minus eight. You know, we were talking last time. I was like, I'm going to attack this game week. I'm going to get get my, uh, my Everton players um, in because I'm going to attack that Newcastle game. Uh, I need to get Gundogan in because they've got Sheffield United and we've seen how good he is. And I mean, it's pretty much as bad as a minus eight could go. Just they all blanked and I captained one of them. So absolutely awful. Luckily, the players I took out didn't do anything because that would have been a bit of a nightmare. I benched Bamford because I was oh, so sure yeah. that he wasn't going to get anything against Leicester and managed to get him on. I mean, if, if he'd stayed on the bench, it really would have been... Um, it really would have been a disaster. So luckily I got him on. I escaped with 51 points, which isn't too bad. It, you know, it, it gave me a kind of a 70,000 drop or something. So it wasn't, it wasn't, didn't put me back into the million mark. Uh, and best thing, Mark, for in the cup. You're still in it. You're still hanging still on to that it. dream. I mean, we joke about it, but it <laughs> would be really I'm nice. going for it. I know it would be really nice. And I've said that um, when we, uh, if you can get, to the final, I want you to wear a white. So what, well, whatever comes to us, whether you get to the final, or if, if you're still in the cup, if we hit 20,000 subscribers, we're well, about 12 yep. and a bit now. So there's a chance we'll get to 20,000 before the end of the season. Might not happen, but if we do and you're still in the cup, then you've got to wear a white suit, Liverpool style. Liverpool style. But I've got, I have got a tough, a tough opponent oh, this yeah. week. He, his team, his team looks really good oh. and it's going to come down to my Everton players and Son. Who I'm a bit I'm a bit nervous about given given what I saw last week. They're they're my kind of main differentials against him. What's, He's got what's like Grealish in. Or Herbank. Uh, it's a he. I think I think he is about I think it's about hundred thousand. Oh yeah. Just, let me just okay. confirm because I know everyone is 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 keen. Um, hundred hundred thirty nine thousand. He's got Martinez, Creswell, Kilman, Stones, Salah, Madison, Grealish, Fernandez. Bamford, Antonio, Watkins. Yeah. But then on his bench, he's got Sterling and Cancelo. So he's got a really, really strong squad. So this one's going to be tough. That sounds a bit worrying, to be honest. Um, mm. Mm, you, you're going to have to pull out. So no hits this week, please, as if you're going to continue the No hits team. this week. No. no. No hits this week. No minus eight. Um, so Dina, come on, give us an appraisal. I mean, it didn't go to plan, did it? Because, I mean, I, I've got to admit, I was looking at him as well. I wanted to take a hit, but in the end, I didn't do it. And Dina was one of the players along with Barnes that mm. we kind of talked about. 
Um, back at left back, Everton were terrible, weren't they? Absolutely awful. Shocking. Yeah. I mean, the first sort of five or ten minutes, I, I, they were knocking the ball around really nicely and they looked really confident. And then they just stopped doing that and just forgot how to play. And yeah. I, I think it was... Um, I think it was Shelby, well, everyone, I mean, mostly Shelby. They just knocked absolute lumps out of Rodriguez. <laughs> it was obviously a tactic yeah. they had and it worked. It was, wasn't it? It was like... And what they really needed to do was was bring on a bit of steel in midfield. Yeah. I, you know, I was... I was why, why, didn't, why didn't Tom Davies come on? And they brought on Gomez and I was like, really? He is not the person who's going who's gonna to shore up the midfield and, and win you this midfield battle and... Newcastle just just carried on battering them and, they bullied and them. deserved the win. In the first half, they were like, well, we're going to lead the foot in on Rodriguez a couple of times. If one of us gets booked, we'll pass him on. And that was that was a clear intent. I mean, Shelfie's always one to, to indulge in that yeah. kind of activity. And um, yeah, Rodriguez, you know, he stayed on the pitch, but he did take a battering. And I think just generally, Wilson bullied the centre-backs as well. I mean, I was really surprised how Wilson... Yep kind of got the better of Keane and Mina, who are two strong centre-backs who I thought weren't there to be bullied. But he absolutely terrorised them, didn't he? With his movement, his strength, holding up the yep. ball. He looked incredible. Absolutely his best performance for Newcastle. And they did look a different team in the second half against Leeds. And they did look a different team in that game against Everton. And I think we're going to yep. look at some data later. And then I think they're a team that we've got to keep an eye on now. Because Bruce may well have turned a bit of a corner, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, Everton were very disappointed. And we both got Calvert-Lewin, of course. And oh, yep. he hardly got a touch, did he? I mean, really, he didn't. I mean, what struck me is that Wilson and Calvert-Lewin are probably going for the same spot in Southgate squad. And on that evidence, Calvert-Lewin's got work to do because Wilson, yeah. Wilson didn't get, you know, doesn't get brilliant service in that Newcastle team. It was pretty decent on the day, but doesn't normally. But he was just wanting the ball more and he was making runs down the channel and Calvert-Lewin I guess he's been told get in the box and stay there offered nothing did he? Yeah I mean he had a couple of nice flicks and tricks and stuff but mm. never really did anything properly properly threatening uh, it was really disappointing I mean you know Dean Dean's crossing wasn't really at it in the no. game as either which which doesn't help um, you know they I was hoping he'd be at left wing because Godfrey's been really good for them and mm. really solid at left back and I think you know they, they kind of needed that and they missed that uh, you know, allowing Dean to bomb forward a bit, and he he struggled in that in that match more than I thought he would. Uh, yeah, I mean, to get one point from that, I mean, it was one of those moves where you know when you really want to do it and you're just looking for an excuse, and then you look at some stats, and the stats were like Newcastle conceded the, the second most crosses down the right hand side, creating chances, conceding chances down the side, and I just thought oh, I've got to I've got to I've got to go for this. And yeah, you did it right at the end it. as well because you were settled on not oh taking it. Oh my god, the you, story was it like 15 I, I 20 seconds story. before? Go on. Oh, so so I was not, I wasn't gonna do it, and then I just suddenly thought to myself, Oh, do you know what? I'm just gonna do it. And it was 59, it was 59, what were you doing, but I didn't know how I didn't know how far into 59 it was, so I quickly made the transfer, but then I forgot that Dean was coming in for Eiling, he was my third sub. So I had my hands were shaking. <laughs> I had to quickly like move like Dean in, and it wouldn't have made any difference in the end. But you know, and I thought, imagine that though. You take that minus eight, and then and then you end up with a player on the third sub on bench. Oh my was, god! What were you oh, doing doing it, it that late in way, the day? I mean, talk about. I mean, I'm, we're not into early yeah. transfers. I mean, there's a lot of critics of early transfers, but late transfers—they're not really. I know the thing. I know. Like, it, it wasn't. Oh, I shouldn't. Late. I shouldn't be. 
I should I shouldn't be doing that. No, that's, that's, that, that's 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 not black box. No, it's really style. not. It really, I, mean, panic, <laughs> I couldn't believe it because you. I think you put it on Twitter, didn't you? You'd done it right. I to did. Death. Yeah, and yeah. I was totally. And convinced. I never normally do moves after I, I post on Twitter. It was, I just I just didn't want to miss out on a dean hall so much, mm. and you know I just couldn't I just couldn't decide whether it was me kind of pushing to get points when I shouldn't be, or whether it was a good move. And I just thought there's loads of hits being taken this week. I, I really thought Everton were going to win that game comfortably. So I just went for it. But, See, I... You know, it didn't work out. I didn't trust Everton fully, and I was actually worried about getting Calvert-Lewin. So it was Barnes that I was looking at more, and it was it was almost Barnes that I went to. So looking at my team, I almost went with Fina to Barnes. And Barnes obviously scored. When he scored early on in that game, I was like, oh, here we go. You know, as and I both mentioned him, we didn't get him in, and others yep. did. What are we doing? Why didn't we follow our own hunch? But... In the end, Rafina got the assist and the gap, it wouldn't have been worth it to me because with the minus four, I, yeah, I would yeah. have lost points. So it was the right call. And Rafina continues to, I think he's returned in the last five away games. He hasn't done it at home, which I guess you can say that about Leeds to, to an extent. But he had a good game again. I mean, he, him and Bamford are clearly, with Harrison's consistent, but Rafina's got that little bit of spark about it. I like him. But obviously there are other midfielders that we'll see later who are in that bracket. They were also yeah. you know, bidding for our attention. So Rafina and Bamford were the stars. I mean, they did everything that I wanted from them. And Bamford in particular, with a little mention to his fantasy team after the match. And you've been yeah. you've been stalking him on Twitter as well, haven't you? You've been Go on. Oh, on Instagram, yeah. Oh, on Instagram as Instagram. well. Did you? No, not, no, I haven't mentioned him on Twitter. I've just mentioned Oh, have I sent him on Twitter? No, maybe I have. Mm-hmm. Maybe I've sent him. Yeah, I'm just stalking him all over the place. Yeah. Yeah, I just have a little message. You know, if you ever fancy coming on, doing a little little pod or a little recording or something, it'd be, um, be nice to have you on. Uh, you know, now he's, now he's, now he's mentioned that, um, you know, he's, he plays it and stuff and he's really into it. You know, it'd be great if we, if we could get him on here, but I think it's probably unlikely. It was nice. I love it when footballers talk about their fancy teams and, uh, you know, it was a great performance from him. And uh, well, you see the Robertson thing? No, go on. So uh, a rumour was going round on the other oh, day yeah. that Robertson had taken Mane out of his team. Mm. And the last time Robertson took Mane out of his team, Mane didn't play. So the rumour mill started going round. And then, lo and behold, Mane is, has got an injury. So there must have been something yeah. there. The question is, though, Klopp can't be happy with that. Put yourself in, in Robertson's shoes, though. If he's playing FBL... And he knows Mane's out. It's going to be very hard to leave him in, isn't it? So what do you do? I mean, this, I mean, I wonder how long Robertson's going to keep playing for. But I mean, obviously, we've got to keep an eye on his team because it could be crucial yeah. to us. I know. I saw well, it. I did I, see I, it Saturday morning. Yeah. Would you let him play? Um, I want I want footballers to play FBL. So I'm not going to say no. If I, I know was you clock. want them to, but should yeah, they? Well, yeah. I'm I'm not going to advise Premier League managers to stop their players playing it because I think it's a good thing. But obviously it puts them in a difficult spot because in that situation, you know, Robertson's looked at it like a proper FBL manager there. He's gone, well, I don't want to keep Manor. He's mm. worth a load of money and I know he's not going to play. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's, a, it's a weird one, isn't it? So mm. I, it was a vital clue though and it, and it turned out it to was. be the case. It was. It? Yeah. So, um, yeah, very, very interesting turn of it. And I feel sorry for people who have gone Manor because he, like Barnes, like Dina, looked a really good differential for the game week. But, just didn't just didn't turn out at all. And Salah, mm. so what do you make of Salah? Because not so long ago, or only recently, we were talking about the heavy hitters letting us down, and Salah was certainly mentioned in the same bracket as as Fernandez and Son. And we'll look later at how you know the value is there elsewhere. But Salah's performance, those two finishes, unbelievable, aren't they? Yeah, and I I wrote an article uh, for Scout saying how I was going to start captaining differential mm. 
players. And the week I do that, Salah uh, comes back <laughs> as the heavy hitter that we still be captaining. So sums it up, really. Uh, yeah, I mean, he was great. I, I, did, I didn't think Liverpool played that well um, until until his his brilliant two goals. I was, you know, I think at half time, they the 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 pundits and and I were thinking again, they're just not looking right in that in that final third. The fullbacks mm. aren't doing enough, aren't stretching it. They're missing Henderson. In midfield, Thiago is doing the same thing where he doesn't quite look like he he fits. Uh, but then it was it was just brilliant. I mean, the second goal was was kind of like vintage Liverpool, wasn't it? Trent just you know clearing the ball up, a perfect pass, Shakiri then, and then Salah's lovely little finishing. The first touch, and it's something they just haven't been doing. No, the, the first touch, incredible. Yeah, just an amazing goal, and also the first goal as well was kind of archetypal Salah goal, cutting in and then curling it into the far post. We've seen him do that many times, but not for you a can't while. let him do that. I mean, no. Moyes must have been fuming yeah. at that. It was too, almost too easy for him, wasn't it? Um, and the Milner reaction was a classic. But yeah, I mean, it was a. You're right. The first half of Liverpool, it looked like, well, if you captain Salah, you'd made an error. Not really, well, I guess, because no other captains came in. Obviously, Gundogan didn't work for us. But second half, he he delivered. And for those, it was ironic because I was involved in the conversation with Joss and always cheating, where he posted something about, well, maybe this is the week to go back, you know, to keep it on Salah or go back to Salah because. A lot of people are looking elsewhere and oh, Salah's always a safe bet. And I, I agreed. I said, yeah, I, I think you're right. Game weeks like this, you've got to do it. And lo and behold, he did it and I didn't and he did well out of it, as did others. So I think there might be a black box lesson there in that when there are other captains in the conversation, you know, it's always pays to just double check that it's not worth going back to a De Bruyne or a Kane or a Salah in that situation when their uh, effective ownership is low. But you don't, I know you've got a policy now, haven't you? And you've given, when I looked at your team, I mean, I, when I set up the, the, the pod tonight, I looked at your team and I'd see who you've captained. You've clearly mm. got a policy to take some risks with the captaincy now, haven't you? Yeah, and I mean, it's, it's whether that, that is, because I mean, you know, it's, it's not just two or three games that Liverpool have been looking, looking bad and Fernandes and then Salah have been, you know, off, off form. It's a, it's a prolonged period. And I think... It's it's whether we think that's going to continue, mm. and this was the blip, or whether now it's going to kind of revert back to normal. And I mean, I think what was what was interesting was the week before last was a crazy week. Massive hits paid off. You know, people taking minus eights and ending up sort of twenty, thirty points up. And this week just completely reverted back to normal. If you took a big hit like I did, you were punished. Uh, you had you, some of the big hitters coming coming in. You know, and then they had things like rotation, but you still had like weird results. I mean, that Everton mm. Newcastle game was still a weird result. I'd never expected Leeds to beat Leicester, so it still tells me this is a pretty unpredictable season to to try and call. And I just think there is there is potential to 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 hit some some big captains. I mean, if you didn't captain Salah over those six game weeks, you're laughing. And okay, you know, people saying, "Oh, I've been patient with Salah." It's like, yeah, but you've missed out on six weeks of of other of picks if you got it right. So. I mean, Salah's never going to be a bad option because he's got the penalties. They're still the best attacking team in the league. But I, I do still think there are other options that we can consider. And it didn't work this week. It doesn't mean it won't work next week. Okay, interesting. Let's, let's see if you keep that policy up uh, over the weeks to come. Uh, and like I said, a bit of a sneak preview. You're, you've gone quite maverick with the captaincy this week. Maybe uh-huh. not. Maybe not. Um, quick check in with the great and the good. Um, I had the smallest red arrow I think I've ever had. 108 places I lost. Um, which <laughs> nearly is, a grey it's nearly a grey I mean never had a grey I mean it's very difficult to get that obviously but um, there it is 108 places I went down a little bit 
Uh, mainly because I didn't take any hits. I mean, I didn't have a spectacular game week, but because I didn't take any hits, I was one of the few in the league. I think that overall there was, was it seven, eight managers took hits in that league there? So that's a lot of hits going around. You were the minus eight. You took the most. And you are hit-tastic at the moment. Um, I think overall now you've lost 36 points to hits, which is that the most ever that you can remember in a season? Must be getting yeah, on for that. Got to be. I've never, I've never taken two minus eights in a season before. Mm. That's pretty... Pretty big, pretty big for me. Uh, they haven't worked either. <laughs> not, not even. None, I don't think any of my hits have really worked. This, but I mean, to get a fifty thousand rank drop when I've taken a complete fail of a minus eight isn't isn't the worst thing in the world. So we yeah. move on. I think my team's pretty strong going forward. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of happy that I've done it. I just need Everton to perform. Yeah, but what's notable in the great and the good league? Uh, thanks to Greyhead for shipping this to us just before the show. We turned it around and it's important because I've gone up to third and that means I'm chasing Fabio mm. Borges, who is how many points ahead of me? 33. So that's that's doable. Uh, general, yep. general is 40 points ahead. Not as big a gap as I thought, so you never know. Um, general, you know, he made the mistake with Bamford. Maybe he's rattled now. Maybe he's, you know, we'll see. <laughs> rattled him, mind, con- mind games coming in. I can't play mind, <laughs> mind games. Mind control. <laughs> mind games with general is going to be very difficult. He's, he's far too solid. Um, but Magnus Carlsen, that's the, that's the big name that I've overtaken. And I did say to you that I, I refuse point blank to message Magnus um, and try and ask him to come on the show because I just think I'm not comfortable with the idea of approaching the number one chess player of the world and asking him to come on a little little podcast. But you're adamant mm. I've got to. And I said to you, yep. okay, if I go above him, I'll drop him uh, a DM. And now, you've got now a direct line. Yeah. You've got a direct line to him. He follows mm. you, you follow him. It's yeah. a match made in heaven. Yeah, and he might be watching now. He might be watching right now. And if he is, then Please you know, come on, Magnus. a message is coming your way to see if you'll come on. Maybe not in the season, maybe in the off season, but we'd love to have you on. But yes, I did promise I'm one point ahead of him. So I will send a DM to Magnus and ask if he will come on just for you, as just to make your day. Thanks, it will. I, mean, <laughs> I really want to see you, you know, with Magnus in the room. I think you'd be so nervous. Like, I'll be so shy. Yeah, well, you would be. You would be. Um, let's look at the <laughs> uh, template for the top 10K. We haven't checked in on this for quite a while. Game Week 17 was the last time we looked at this. Um, so there's some changes, not surprisingly, but, you know, still. Some of the old names still there. Martinez McCarthy, still the goalkeeper choice um, there. You notice as. But changes at the yeah. back. Man City. Look at the Man City invasion in defence. I know. Three. Three Man City. I mean, there's four, five Man City players on the um, on the template. So now, so it shows, obviously you can't have five. So it shows that there is a real difference in the way people are going. I was really surprised to see Sterling coming yeah. into the, the top 10k template. Well, he's got, he had, uh, he had six, 60.2 um, effective ownership in game week 20, mm. presumably because of the captaincy. Um, so his ownership overall is probably lower than that. But yeah, I, I just don't see it myself. I mean, you, you think that with three of the defenders, so you've got Cancelo, Chilwell, Justin, Stones and Diaz is the template defence. And with those three defenders there, I was surprised to see Sterling in there as an attacking option in, mm. in the top 10k template as well. Um, obviously, the midfield, Son, Salah, who were there before, Fernandes, who were there before, and Gundogan and Sterling, the new entries with recent form and fixtures going City's way. Front three, do you want to talk through that? I mean, one change in that Kane dropped out, of course. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the front three that, that I've got and I'm happy with. I think Antonio Calvert-Lewin and Bamford is is a really strong front three. You've also got Watkins in there, who, who I know a lot of people have got, who's doing well. Uh, Lacazette, I thought, was a good option, but has now got picked up an injury I think 
uh, and Ings as well, who was really unlucky not to score against uh, what well, he did score. It was you know the the bum of uh, bum of cash keeping him keeping him offside. So yeah, really, really. I think mean, you know I think there are some some sort of fairly decent striking options now, but just none are really as consistent as Antonio and, and Bamford seem to be. Who who are back? Calvert Lewin. I think has got potential to really go back to his early season form, but we need to see something from him against Leeds. Yeah. Yeah. And we're going to look at the forwards in a bit when we look at attacking data. It's quite interesting that there is a clear template there, but there are some names and we mentioned Wilson threatening to break into that. Uh, I want to talk about the double game situation because there's been a development tonight and this is, there's a guy out in the community. I don't know if you've heard of him, Ben Krellin. Um, that's a, Never that, heard of him. That's a, well, he's, he's, it's only a small account. He dabble, does he dabble? He dabbles. He dabbles he? And yeah, I want to give him a little bit of, because he's only got, I think, I think um, a, is it 100? 100, 100, no, 100,000 followers. That was it. Yes. That's Ben Credit, 100,000 followers. Congratulations. Well deserved, that, um, amazing, that milestone. It? And the reason why he's got 100,000 followers is because he works tirelessly to try and clear up the double game week and blank situation. Now, this is a chart which has been shown on many podcasts or many streams recently, so we thought I'd, I'd jump on board. This is a bandwagon. I'm on it, basically. Um, so just to reveal, I think it's tonight you were saying, that, um, as there was a bit of news out of City with their double game week in game week 24, is that right? Yeah, well, it looks like Man City have tweeted a schedule which includes a game in game week 24. So it looks like they've all but confirmed that they will have a game in, yeah. in 24. According to Ben, it's either going to be Everton or Southampton. Uh, ben isn't sure which one that it's going to be. Uh, so either either game, I think, is pretty good for their attacking attacking players. Obviously, Southampton, I think, is better for defenders. Uh, but yeah, it looks like there's there's going to be a... There's very likely, very, very, very likely going to be a, a double game for Man City. So if you haven't got Triple City now... I think it's probably the time to really think about that and get what get get what in. Yeah. Into. So they've got Burnley and Liverpool twenty two twenty three, and then it looks like they're going to have Tottenham, and we're her and it's Everton. So Tottenham Everton's not not amazing in terms the of chat. quality position, but go on. There's some... Sorry, the, the chat is saying that um, the there's a there's a shadowed image of it of the Everton logo in the Man City schedule. So it's a shadowed image. What's going on here? Shadowed image. I don't know what that <laughs> means, but that's what they're saying. Okay. So, uh, what is so it? there seems to be the general idea that it's going to be Everton away. So it's quite interesting because really that's only teasing FPL managers because you know obviously Man City fans will want to know where they're playing, but to be honest, it's not you know it's not they can't go to the game, so it's not going to affect them too much because it'll be oh I'll watch it on telly, but. Mm. So really, that that's almost like that's a tease deliberately aimed at us. I'll take that from City. <laughs> um, so it does look like it's Everton then. So Tottenham Everton double game week in game week twenty four, which means Everton will play Fulham and Man City at home, and City will play Spurs and Everton away. Spurs at home, Everton away. Um, so that's interesting. A double game week, mm. game week twenty four. We knew there was more to come. Now we know, of course, I mean, this chart also shows the double game weeks to come or the potential double game weeks to come in game week 26 based on the FA Cup um, results to come and also looking forward the potential blanks in 29 so we've known about that for a while we don't know the ins and outs of that and Ben's chart doesn't really reveal that it just gives us some clues but what's clear now is we've got a double game week before that game week 24 so as As rightly says get on City and I guess you know Everton if you've got Calvert-Lewin I know he disappointed against Newcastle but Immediate compensation, yeah. You know, you yeah. know he's got. And I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I took this minus eight, but two of the you know, I brought in Dean and Calvert Lewin, so I've already got five players in place for that double game week. Mm. Uh, 
So, you know, one yeah. more and, and I've got I've got six and I've got a strong contingent. I could even think about the bench boost, I could think about triple captain. Uh yeah. So I'm I'm feeling in you know, the minus eight, I always kind of knew I knew that Everton were gonna have this game coming up at some point. So the minus eight did feel a little bit like it was less risky because it would mean one less transfer down the line at some point. So yeah, I think Dean's a strong option. Um Rodriguez as well, I I'd be considering. And then Calvert Lewin, decent front three. I don't know if Josh King signed for, for Everton. A lot of talk that, about him. Today. Gonna do for, yeah, I don't know what that's going to do for Calvert-Lewin. Deadline still Might going on, of course. Um, so we'll we'll pick that up. To, you know, tomorrow we'll hear more about the transfers, and obviously we'll pick that up before um, before game week twenty three. But um, yeah, it's just interesting tonight that that broke. Um, we'll look more at Ben's chart as the game weeks go by. There's lots more to explain from that. But we won't go into it tonight. Just the message at the moment. Get ready for that Everton Man City double game week by the looks of it. Nice tease for Man City, by the way. Um, let's look at some data as we normally do. Um, this is data for teams, uh, defence over the season and also the last four matches. Not the last four game weeks, it's the last four matches. Um, just some things I wanted to bring out of this. Um, I've highlighted Arsenal over the season. They've been creeping up that table. So in terms of minutes per expected goal conceded, it's 77.3 for them. Sitting fifth now overall. They've had five clean sheets in the last six matches. One goal they've conceded. A record that matches Man City. It's crazy, isn't it? It's unbelievable. And, and they are flying under the radar because everyone's so set on, on City defenders. I mean, Arsenal's run as well isn't, isn't particularly good. But they've got Wolves next, which is a mm. good fixture. So looking, I mean, holding, I think, at what, 4.8 looks a really solid, solid pick. Mm. And then you've got Rudiger as well, who, who we'll probably mention a bit later, playing for Chelsea now, who's 4.5 and is starting. So you've got some actual... Good, like sub five million centre backs playing for what looks like resolute sides. Yeah, I mean, like Ch- Chelsea are up there. If you look at the uh, data over the last four matches, that Chelsea are second. Oh, Holdings four point five. Yeah, more than that. Holdings four point five, wow. and and so is Rudiger as well. So a couple of really good options in that bracket there amongst Chelsea and Arsenal defences, who you know are still strong. Chelsea still strong. Obviously, with Tuchel there. Yeah, the jury's still out on how they're going to be defensively. He's changed the system. He's gone back to wing-backs, and we'll talk about that in a bit. We'll we touch on Alonso, of course. But I've also highlighted a couple of other teams. And what's interesting, Villa have dipped a bit. I mean, they've played... Over the last four, they're like the fifth bottom-ranked defence. So they've conceded expected goal every 55.8 minutes, a chance every 5.5 minutes. And put that into perspective, that's only a little bit better than West Brom, who are 5.4. Mm. So Villa's defence has been tested recently um, and they have you know, over the last four it's been Man City Burnley Newcastle Southampton so okay Man City might skew it a bit but Burnley Newcastle Southampton you know yeah. they've provided more of a test than you'd expect so but you know, Martinez has been fantastic hasn't he still for you so he's going nowhere is he no way and, and you know, we're going to do the watch list a bit later but when it comes to goalkeeper it's like there's no one I want I <laughs> Martinez know. is He's he's looking like he's getting a slot really? up there. I mean, 10 clean sheets now over the season. It's unbelievable. Mm. It's, it, it really is. And I mean, the saves he makes are fantastic. The, the the authority he's got and the presence he's got in that area just gives confidence to the whole team. Really lucky, really, really lucky to keep the clean sheet against Southampton, you know, and he got the bonus points and, and, the, and the saves. You know, it was a 10-point performance reminiscent of Pope. Uh, he's he's kind of this year. I mean, Pope is still doing pretty good things, but Martinez is like the new Pope. 
the new pope. That's an interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be but, neck and yeah, neck between those great. those two at the top of the of the uh, FPL ratings. I think I think they're going to be the top two keepers, hands down. I wouldn't expect anyone to get near them at the moment. The Do you feel like you made a mistake selling him, Martinez? Um, yeah, possibly. I mean, Pope's got still got a decent run up to game week twenty five, which is when I'll be wildcarding. So I knew that it was only going to be a short spell before I could change my keepers again. I don't like to make goalkeeper transfers. No, that's the thing. Regular, but with wild cards, that's when you do it. So I looked at the fixtures from from 16, from when I did the wild card and when I got Pope and Johnson in, to 25. And Johnson and Pope had decent run between them. They alternated okay. So I was all right with it. I, I think as a differential, Pope could still prove you know, interesting. But we'll see. I mean... Martinez probably will be coming back in in 25 with the wild card, depending on how the double game weeks come together, of course. Um, just another mention here in this data, the the last four matches, Leeds right at the bottom now. Um, so they've, mm. you know, they've conceded a big chance every 40 minutes over the last four matches, a chance conceded every 5.4, and expect minutes per expected goal conceded 50.1, lowest in the division over the last four. So again, if you're holding Calvert-Lewin, you know, don't be too uh, you know worried about the fact that you you got him in, even if you did get him in for a hit and sold Bamford, because there's a good chance he's going to cause issues for that Leeds defence, isn't there? Yeah, and I, I'm when when that when you know, when Leicester scored that first goal quite early on, uh, you know we'd both been talking about Barnes. I did a tweet uh, just before that, um, just before the deadline, saying I really think Barnes is going to go off on one here. I didn't bring him into my own team. He scores straight away. And I thought, oh, he's, this is it. Late rise had him captained, and obviously he's just mm. behind me in the in the great in the good league. And obviously I want him to do well, but not not too not too well. <laughs> I, can't, I can't go down to bottom in that. Um, so yeah, and I was worried, but then Leeds, you know, ended up really kind of. I, could, I honestly I couldn't believe it. I mean, I, I I talk about shocks of the season. I mean, I I can't. I just did not think Leeds would win that game at all. I just and as soon as they went one nil down, I honestly thought. This is just going to be a comfortable Leicester demolition job. And it's anything but. They, they kind of continue to surprise. But yeah, I still think defensively, they still look suspect. You know, Cooper and, and Strauch uh, and an Eiling bombing forward and, and stuff. There's, there's, there's ways that teams can, can get at them. So they beat Everton 1-0 earlier in the season. But I think Everton will, will get a goal. Against mm. them at least. Yeah, Rafina scored, didn't he? It's his first goal. He scored at, uh, at Goodison Park. So, yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting game. That surely plenty of goals in that. I mean, Everton were disappointing, but I'd like to think against this Leeds defence, which according to this data remains Dallas, obliging. Though, yeah, again. I know. He's Midfielder. Been, I mean, been fantastic, isn't he? We but both went for Ireland, didn't we? We did, and and you know, looking back, that was clearly a mistake. But Dallas is. You know, he's not going to get you defensive return, so you're always hoping it's you, he gets you something. But obviously, in, in an attacking team, he's got that opportunity. He's getting forward yeah. a lot. Um, let's look at attacking data. Uh, and here, I mean, I've highlighted Leeds, who are slipping down a bit. I mean, they were top two. They were second over the season to Liverpool. But obviously, with the you know with Man City going from strength to strength, they're now up into second place in terms of minutes per expected goal. Liverpool still out in front, 48.5 minutes per expected goal. City on 51.4. Leeds have dropped down to fifth on 57.4. So there has been a bit of a dip recently. Um, and there was a lot of talk about, oh, that'll be the Leeds fatigue. You know, second half of the season, they're going to... <laughs> a lot of talk about that. It's mentioned but, all the time, isn't it? It's, yeah, I don't... It's either Bielsa's a genius, Leeds are going to be tired, <laughs> Bamford can't shoot. It's always the same, like, like things, isn't it? But... 
they, I mean, yeah, I, the, there is a there is a big lead, like narrative bias. But I have to say, the the games they play in are generally tend to be the most entertaining. So they're a good addition. Yeah, I mean, it is, it is surprising. If you look at the data of the last four matches, they're 84.1 minutes per expected goal. West Brom beat that uh, and expected goal every 81.8 minutes. So it's surprising, isn't it, that, well, two things, I suppose, that Leeds have dropped off at that much and that West mm. Brom are you know, mid-table over the last four matches for expected goal. So Pereira, finally coming good. I tipped him at the start, didn't I? But took him, just taking him 20 weeks to start delivering. But he's a... He's a He's an interesting option, you know, as a, if West Brom are going to have any chance of staying up, they're going to need him to, to keep delivering. His midfield slots are precious. Oh, but yeah, yeah. And we'll look, I like him. He's one of the names that we'll pick out in that, in that value. Look at Everton. Why I Everton know. Bottom mark? So this is it. While Leeds are at the bottom defensively over the last four, they're made up against a team, Everton, who are bottom for attacking date over the last four. That is unbelievable. Um, no Burnley. Yeah. Yeah, 162.2 minutes per expected goal over the last four matches. Um, They've only had a shot every 10.6 minutes. There's only two teams, three teams worse than that, West Brom, Palace and Burnley. So they're right down there with the relegation battlers and Palace. I mean, Palace, I wouldn't say a relegation battlers, not yet anyway. Um, But yeah, it's surprising (laughs) to see Everton slump. And so what are we going to get in that game at Ellen Road, you know? A very weak defence that gives up opportunities against an attack which has created very <laughs> little. The, so the the removal well, the removal object versus the unstoppable force, but look the complete opposite. Mm. It's like the blunt force and the rubbish object. That's the best I can do. Yeah, uh, right. yeah. I mean, it's it's not going to be nil nil, surely. No, and the thing is, I think we're all expecting Everton to start creating chances again now that Rodriguez and Dina are back and Richarlison's back as well. Um, we expect Calvert Lewin to kick on. Uh, and they've got the double game week, it seems. Um, so, you know, we're not going to lose heart with Everton, but it is surprising. You know, we look at the numbers, how they've slipped recently. So one to keep an eye on. Um, let's yep. move on and look at some players then. Um, so we're going to do quite a bit on on players in tonight's show. We're going to look, as I said, about some some value options. But what I've highlighted there are the four strikers you mentioned, Antonio, Cavett-Lewin, Bamford and Watkins, who for me are now the template. You've Most teams are looking at three of those four, aren't they? I think that's yeah. fair to say. Um, and at the moment, you know, Antonio has leapt ahead of the of the pack. He's, he's top for minutes, but expect to goal involvement, non-penalty. Fourth overall on 126.7 minutes. Calvert-Lewin still hanging in there. Despite Everton's decline, he's still there in second. Bamford, third on 144.2. And Watkins, who's bottom of the four, on 164.9 minutes, but expect to goal involvement. But recent form... As being good, do you see anyone breaking into that group? Do you see that that quartet being settled for a few game weeks, or do you see other names coming into it? No, I I, I can't really. I, I think it, it's such a strong. Fo- I mean, I know um, Bamford was sold by quite a lot of people this week. General sold him, for example. Yeah, um, I was close. It's only because I had Che Adams in my team, but <laughs> I didn't sell him. The the Bamford to Calvert Lewin move was really popular. I can see the logic of it because Bamford, you know, getting subbed at 59 minutes, a uh, difficult game against Leicester. I think, though, with that performance, he's kind of solidified himself now, unless something happens until now and the end of the season. Mm. I think he's pretty he's pretty much nailed on. He's he's too big a risk not to go with, given how Leeds attack and and the fact that he can deliver against the bigger sides. So I don't think he's going anywhere. Antonio is is, I think, the best striker to own in the game at the moment. 
He just West Ham are, are playing well. He's so ridiculously good up front. Mm. He he just bullies teams. Um, I'm surprised they didn't use him to better effect against Liverpool because he didn't really have too many opportunities to really do anything amazing against them. Uh, they were doing things like playing short corners, which not really understand. And then they did a corner and it was long and it went in. I thought it was Suchek. Did you? Oh, when, yeah. When, um... yeah. Daw- Dawson's, Dawson looks too much <laughs> oh like God. Suchek. And when you've got Suchek bench, you just don't want to see that, do you? Oh, and the, commenta- the commentator said Suchek as well. Did he? Oh. And yeah, I think well, he, I think he wasn't BT like again, was it? Or something like that. Was, yeah, wasn't beat, the silver guy, was it? Oh no, dear man. Of course it was BT. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah, but I, I love Antonio. And then it's the third spot, isn't it? I mean, I think Calvert-Lewin and Watkins. Mm. I think with Watkins, you're you're getting a strike who is getting lots of chances, but is struggling a bit to convert them and really make the most of of the chance he gets from Grealish. But he does every time I watch them, he he seems like he's probably got quite a big haul coming whereas with Calvert-Lewin you're more hoping that Everton sort of address the slump and come out of it so you've got two ways to go there really mm. I like them both well this is it if you look at the data over the last four Bamford and Calvert-Lewin are nowhere to be seen I mean Leeds have only played three matches in the last four game weeks that isn't last four matches by the way that's, that's his last four game weeks um, Calvert-Lewin's only played two matches Everton have played three times but he's only played two of them Antonio right out in front um, over the last four game weeks 86.2 minutes per expected goal involvement um, so he's still up there. Watkins has done well, 141.2. But then you've got to go, oh, well, you know, Bamford's on 247.4 minutes per expected goal involvement and Calvert-Lewin, 344 minutes. Calvert-Lewin's had three shots in two matches. Bamford's had three shots in three matches. So both of them have been low performers in terms of chances over their last two or three games, whereas Antonio and Watkins have looked mm. stronger. So it, it is quite close because, like you say, Cavaloon's got the double game week now. He's he's got the service should improve. So a lot of movement went his way. And Tony, I think, like you say, very much out in front. But it's close between Watkins and Bamford, I think. But I think yeah. there's one um, there's one player you did not mention on that mm. list though, and that is Wilson. Yeah, because I mean, you know, Will, do, do you know how many points Wilson's got this season? It's pretty it's crazy, unbelievable. Mm. He's on 110 points this season. At like just over the halfway stage in a Newcastle team that has been absolutely awful for the vast majority of the season. Yeah. yeah. Like if he hits 200 points this season, that's got to be like the most incredible return for a striker playing for a team like, like Newcastle ever. And I wouldn't really back against him doing it because he just, he just seems he's either playing well and getting points or he's not playing well and still managing to kind of get points. And if Newcastle actually managed to find a bit of form, then he should continue to deliver. And you, I know you don't want him because you, well, you vow not to watch Newcastle with, I know, with, but a, with I, a striker. I'm, I'm coming round to it. I mean, I think you know, they're pressing higher. Mm. They're winning the ball higher up the field. They've got Fraser doing bits now. Obviously, Sam Maximum's coming back. I mean, he hasn't played a full game yet, but he's looked really good when he's come on. So I'm suddenly thinking, well, Newcastle might be worth considering. And, we're, and in this same period, so over the last four game weeks, he's matched Antonio for shots um, in the box. He's had 10 shots in the box. All of his efforts have been in the box. So he, he has, you know, he's, he's producing numbers now, which is right up there with the best we can find. So I agree with you. I think Wilson could break into that. I mean, let's have a quick look at Newcastle's fixtures. I don't think they're spectacular by any means, but they're not bad. I mean, they've got three good home games in the next six. Crystal Palace, Southampton, Mm. and Wolves and then added to that they've got West Brom away so they've got four of the next six which are pretty decent 
Chelsea and Man United away as well in 24 and 25. Um, but of course, you know, we've got to consider the double game week situation going forward. But 22 and 23, the next two game weeks, Palace and Southampton, if you didn't get on Calvert-Lewin and you're in, your, in the market for a striker, Wilson... Got to be Wilson. Wilson's got to be in the be. reckoning, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. There's, there's people in the chat saying, should I start Wilson or should I bench him for like Watkins? Like, didn't obviously play him. <laughs> you got like potentially the most informed striker in the league playing against one of the worst defences. You've got to play him in that game. Yeah, and it's just, just his performance against Everton was the best I've seen him this season. And Newcastle, like I say, we've got to monitor where they go from here because you're right. I mean, I wasn't going to consider Wilson because I don't enjoy watching Newcastle play, but I, I have enjoyed watching them play the last game and a half. So perhaps there's more to come from. I hope so. I actually feel that hmm. Bruce gets some unfair criticism given what he does with what he's got. Um, and, you know, I want to see Sam Maxman fit and Fraser both mm. in the same team, see what happens. You're not you're not sold. You don't like Sam Maxman, do you? No, well, not Sam. I'll admit more about Bruce. Right. I think he, a he's a, he is a very, very, very negative manager. And I think, you know, you, you only have to listen to Newcastle fans talking about him and the select team selections he makes and the players he brings in and, and all that kind of stuff. But you have to say Wilson was a very, very, very good signing by any by any stretch and without him they would be in real in real trouble this season yeah I think I think Bruce is is knows that he's got to change the way they play I think he knows that yeah okay I can shore things up I can keep it tight and that might get, keep me in the division but I don't I think he realises now that won't be enough to keep him in his job even if they stay up if they're not playing attractive football if Newcastle fans don't see the kind of football or the signs of the kind of football they want he could still go easily mm. So I think he's realised now that it's like, well, actually keeping Newcastle up isn't enough. Now, some would argue, well, it should be because what do you expect from Newcastle? Perhaps they don't have the resources other teams have got. But I think he's, the penny's dropped with Bruce. I think he's realised that, well, I've not only have I got to keep this team up, I've got to play some attacking football and entertain. And so I, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but it does feel well, like I think that. it's, yeah, I think it's, and it's a little bit like, like Spurs, I think. I mean, if, if I was a Spurs fan, I'd be looking at, at, Tottenham and thinking, you know, they, they're desperate for a trophy, aren't they? So, you know, obviously Mourinho's there to, to win them something and he's still in the cup and stuff. But if Mourinho doesn't win a trophy and they finish outside the top four and they're playing the style that they play, which is so unbelievably painful to watch, like it's just like any Spurs game is just immediately on my list of games I don't particularly want to watch anymore. And I only really watched them the other day because it was Brighton and it ended up being a great game as a, as a Brighton fan. But you've got to be thinking, is it worth it? Is it worth us just going desperately for one trophy when we play like this every week? I wouldn't, I wouldn't like it as a fan. I think it's got a shelf life that I think there's a, you know, Spurs fans are reluctantly back in Marino because that they they want to win trophies, they want silverware. But I think you're right. I think the way they're playing, the way they're set up, the mentality more than anything is is a worry. I mean, and with Kane out, I mean they, yeah. I mean we were worried yeah. about Son without Kane, and we were right to judging by the performance at Brighton, weren't we? Yeah, I mean I, I get slated on here for for my anti Spurs like bias, like when or oh, the bet you probably still haven't paid it, but like all all around that time with people. 
Uh, <laughs> just mention mm. that. I'm just going to keep mentioning it, Mark, until you pay it. You know, you're 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 physically oh, it's, keeping it's, it's money it's from charity. It's, it's not, I'm not a miser trying to hold on for every few quid I've got. <laughs> I just haven't got round to it. I will sort it out. Don't <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, you're right. You didn't back Spurs then, and I was behind them. I kind of thought they had more. They, they had a chance of staying in the top four, but at the moment they're, it's, they're going a bit wayward, aren't they? And um, obviously, oh, Kane's just, injury is just bad. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's it's Kane's injury, but it's not just Kane's injury. It's, the signs have been there for weeks and weeks and weeks that they they just don't have that that cutting edge. And the way he plays is just it's just the negative. And it has been, you know, it's Mourinho. It's been like this. Look, look, all the clubs he's been at for the last sort of what eight nine years. Like look what he did to United. I mean, he I really think he you know Van Hal went in. I, I didn't really like the way Van Hal got them playing, but I really think Mourinho cost United a lot in terms of their identity and in terms of, you know, what fans wanted to see them play. And I think Solskjaer, he gets he gets a lot of stick, but the fact he's brought that identity back to United, exciting games again, pace up front, like he's he's gotta get so much credit for that. He's brought the fun back to the club. And I think Spurs really did sell their soul when they when they got Mourinho in. I'm just just not a fan. Everyone knows. I won't keep badgering on about Pretty it. harsh. I mean, if you it. wanted to, if you wanted to kind of uh, lose that tag as a Tottenham hater, you haven't done much about it there. <laughs> it's but, not you Spurs. Know. It's just Mourinho. No, I right. just can't stand him. Yeah. I just think what he does. To Sorry, Jose. Is just I know the poison. Is Jose in the chat? Not tonight, <laughs> but normally he's there. So you know, we'll see. Right. Uh, I want to look at this uh, this data here, which is looking back over the last seven game weeks. And what we've got here is a table showing the top point scores over those seven game weeks um, and also minutes per points. And I've highlighted the players over 7 million. And it's ridiculous, isn't it? Just look how few players, and this is all positions, look how few players are in that highlighted in that table. There's only five players out of the 30 who cost more than that 7 is. million. Um, and it just shows you. So you've got to look to the other table, which is where... Some of the bigger names are. These are template names, Grealish, Sterling, Kane, De Bruyne, Salah, Son. They're all outside the top 30 point scores over the last seven game weeks. And this is despite Salah's haul just now, <laughs> uh, recently, in the last game week, rather. So it kind of, you know, Gundogan is obviously in a lot of teams now. Saka, less so. Stones and Diaz, yes, in a lot of teams. Barnes, that's a player we talked about last week and we need to consider. But it's really surprising, isn't it? Because when you know when we lost De Bruyne and when we lost Kane and Vardy, we were all about, well, we've got to spend this money. But actually, this data shows that perhaps not. Have we got a problem with player prices? Because we often say this with the captain, don't we? It's like we captain a player because they're you know they're eleven million, so they've got to be my captain. I'm not going to captain someone like Gundogan who's five million. We're coming round to that idea. But only after Gundogan has done mm. superhuman stats and data to yeah. kind of sway us, right? Um, so I do think there is an issue here that perhaps we've got to break down this stigma attached to cheaper players and start questioning the players like Fernandez, Salah, Kane, Son, who perhaps are there on a, a bit of reputation and the price tag just you know, keeps them in our minds as players that we need to have when actually perhaps we don't. Yeah, I mean... Not even. I mean, I think it's six out of seven of these top players. How many weeks is this over? The last four, seven last game four. weeks. Seven. So it's oh, since, seven. So it's since game week fifteen. Oh, I think. Yeah. So six of the seven players of the last seven game weeks are under are six million or under. Mm. I mean, that is that is just absolutely ridiculous. 
Um, I mean, you look, the, the reason why you pay premium prices for players is to get that reliability and to think, if I don't know who to captain this week, I'm going to stick it on Salah and he's going to get returns. Six blanks in a row. <laughs> Fernandez, all these blanks in a row. It's, it, is, it really is unbelievable. And I think it's because there does seem to be a less of a, a, a gap between, between, it's like COVID has been this kind of leveller. And, and teams like West Ham and Villa and, you know, Southampton for a spell were, were doing really well and Everton for a spell were doing really well and Leicester are right up there. There's, there's less, you know, you've got the consistency of City at the back. But up front, they're not, they're not scoring great goals like for fun every week. Liverpool were struggling. Uh, Chelsea have, have been struggling. United have been struggling. So there's no real consistency in attack from any team at the moment. And that's where you look to get your points from, from a captain. Well, I definitely think there's a there's a there's a reason for us to be considering these players for for the captaincy, and it's what I'm looking to do. I think Spurs v West Brom. It's going to be very very hard to back against Son, mm. who is going to be the highest captain that week by game far. Game week twenty three. Yeah, yeah, but only because there's so few options. At United are playing Everton, City are playing Liverpool. You know, there doesn't seem to be much kind of wiggle room around there. But outside of that, I'm. I really am looking to to attack the captain and, and be a bit different with him. Yeah. And it might go it might go wrong, but the history so far, the last seven weeks, suggests that it might be a good call. Yeah, just on the just for those listening on the podcast, Gundogan is top of our table, fifty eight points in the last seven game weeks, nine point six minutes per point. Saka second, fifty two nine. What do you, what do you think of Gundogan with um, Jesus in the team? Yeah, I mean there is you know there's the suggestion and there's data to back this up. That I was going to look at that initially. I didn't have time to turn it around, so we'll, we'll look at that. You know, perhaps next next show um, that when Jesus plays, when Pep has a regular forward there, Gundogan drops off in terms of his opportunities in the box. But I watched the game, and obviously, when you own Gundogan, you're watching him far more closely. And he was still making runs into the box on a regular basis. He was still like for the goal for Jesus's goal. He was actually in a better position than so when Torres knocked it across to Jesus. It's rare to see a ball knocked across to that area because normally the player is blocked by the keeper or defender whereas Gundogan was hanging back in the perfect spot to convert but Torres went for Jesus instead so although Gundogan I don't think he even had a shot yeah, in the game I did he? That. I saw that yeah but yep. I do think that he was still getting into good areas so I didn't watch it and go well his role has changed again he's not he's not doing the things he was doing at West Brom it just it just you know with Jesus there it must yeah, it must make a difference because they've got someone occupying that centre-forward role. So you'd expect him to be the first person that wide players look for when they look up. So I'm not surprised there's a there's a hit there when Jesus is there, but not so much when I'm thinking I'm going to panic and Gundogan out and as soon as De Bruyne is fit, I'm getting De Bruyne back because yeah, I think there's still going to be a couple Five of weeks. Point eight. I know, I don't think we can... I mean, even when De Bruyne and Sterling uh, you know, are double game week options... It's, it will be tough to get rid of Gundogan, given what we've seen now over quite a sustained mm. period. So it's you know it's nine game weeks I think where he's been registering this data. But obviously, if Jesus starts on a regular basis, and the data's there's enough of a sample of data to convince us that there's a drop off, then we've got to take notice perhaps. But I'm not panicked yet. Yeah. So yeah, three yeah. of the top four City players: Stones and Diaz, forty-seven points each. Pereira, there's your man, the West Brom midfielder. 46 points in the last seven game weeks. Barnes on 46 as well. Suchek 44. Lacazette 44. And then you've got the first of the big heavy hits, Fernandez on 43. So, yeah, perhaps this is 
you know, an outlier. Perhaps this period of the season is not going to be typical of what we see from now on. Mm. But it's enough to make us question our decisions now when it comes to transfers and captaincy about, well, why are we always attracted to the, to the bigger price player? Expectation is greater, and so we think that they're more likely to return. And normally that is the case. I mean, I think that's a good rule of thumb, but recent evidence suggests we're perhaps being a bit narrow-minded. Yeah, I think it's an absolute key part of our season because I don't think we've ever seen in any years of playing FPL this reduction of premium picks. So this few players that we could genuinely consider over 10 million, say. Because at the moment, it's it's Fernandez, it's Salah, it's maybe Mane, it's maybe Sterling. That's it. <laughs> I can't... There isn't any more. You know, in previous seasons, we've had loads of players to consider and the pool has been dwindling for a couple of years. I think after um, Hazard left, that's when we kind of thought, oh, wow, there's actually no premium players at Chelsea anymore. Mm. Their most expensive player was Pulisic, I think. He was like 7.5. It was, you know, gone to the days of Drogba and Lampard and, and Hazard and all these guys. So, you know, if the pool is, is, is going down to that low amount of people, instead of having sort of four or five potential players to captain in the week, we've now got two. And if those teams aren't looking as as good as they have been previously, then I think you have to start casting the wet a bit wider. Um, the wet a bit wider. Did I say wet? The net. The net, the net, the net a bit wider. Close, yeah. The gins. Yeah. <laughs> You've got the whole bottle there. That'd be the, the gins. Mm. Uh, yeah. So that's what I'm doing. I'm looking to cast the net a bit Well, uh, it's going to make for an interesting time. And considering some of these guys. Yeah. I mean, it just, it just surprised me when I saw that. And, and the number of defenders in this table as well. There's a lot of defensive players. There's a lot of keepers. Keepers in there. There's defenders in there. Um, I haven't added up exactly how many defenders, but just at first glance, it looks like almost half the list of defensive players. Well, the, And who would have thought that earlier in the season when we were like, oh, the clean sheets, we're never going to get any I of those know. again. Yeah. I know, yeah. I mean, you, you called it right at the start. I think you went, oh, well, we both went for the back quite mm. early on. Um, I I bailed in it quite early because I thought, oh, there's too many goals going in. Um, you've always been an advocate that the defences would start to solidify. And I think we did a one of our, our third or fourth podcasts was about how the stats mm. suggested there was a big overperformance of goals. So, yeah, massive, massive credit to you for that. But, I mean, the thing is, with, with captaincy, and we'll talk about my captain later, but... With captaincy, you're looking for reliability. You know, if you captained a player who got six, seven points every week for the season, I think you take that because we get so many blanks. We get so many like things, but get, having a reliable captain every week can really push you up the ranks. And look, I mean, just look at City every week. It's, it's just absolutely crazy. If you'd captain Diaz every week for the last seven or eight weeks, your rank would be soaring. Mm, that is true. I mean, I, it's interesting the way you say that is because I, I always look at the captaincy and go, who is most likely to get double figures? Same. I never say, yeah. who's going to get me six points? Because yeah. you almost want your captain, you want to, I mean, it's, it's about your mentality as an FPL manager. My mm. mentality was go for the Hollywood pass, go for the big score, right? Don't play it safe and go for like, um, you know, beige upside chaser, as, uh, as, as Joe put into <laughs> Twitter this week, which I love yeah. that. I mean, like, I think we're always tempted to go, well, who's going to get me double figures? So that's why we're drawn to Salah, Son, Fernandez, right? Because we think they've got the holes in them. We're not going to go, oh, I'm going to go John Stones or Rim Diaz because they're going to, you know, at least they're, mm. they're at six points and they might just get me nine if they get three bonus points because that, that's almost not enough. We want more. But, it might be the wrong approach because, you know, for the last... Look yeah, at I mean, look at Sal, look at Salavava. 20.4 yeah, yeah. I mean, minutes per point. 
really yeah. like. I think previously though, you, you've picked Salah and you've picked Fernandez and stuff because as Luke always says, they've got that insurance mm. of they're not playing particularly well, but they hit a penalty, they hit a free kick and True. something like that. So that almost seems like they're going to get you five or six points more. But with that not really happening and it being a bit more kind of, I don't know, temperamental as to whether they, they get the huge hauls, actually just going for that safe Man City pick every week does seem does seem logical. It's just if, because Diaz is, is the one, really, if you're going to adopt that approach, Diaz is, because Cancelo mm. could be in and out of the team, Stones, Laporte's back and all that, but Diaz is just there every week. So if you want to be really boring, the beige upside chaser pick is, has got to be Diaz. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree, but it's captain. It's, it just feels oh, yeah. wrong, doesn't it? It's like, <laughs> it yeah. does. I mean, I, I think we've got a, I am going to be trying to change my thought process a bit. My captaincy choices are still based on fixtures, right? They're still looking at, and that's why I went Gundogan because he had a better fixture than Salah at West Ham. I mean, Salah at West Ham, West Ham's defence went into that game as the second-ranked defence over the last four. That didn't look like an easy game, and it wasn't, but Salah got the goals, right? And I, it's fu- frustrating So I tipped 2-0 Liverpool. So in my head, I was thinking, well, if we're going to win 2-0, Salah's got to get something. So in my, I don't know why I didn't go down that process, but I just fancied Gundogan because of his performance at mm. West Brom, obviously. So I think we've got to think, try and think differently about the captaincy and, and bear this, what we're looking at here, this data in mind, in that don't let Price skew our thinking too much at this current time, because if you didn't do that over the last three or four game weeks, you'd have done pretty well. So it's, it's, yeah. it's food for thought. Let's look at our watch list. We're bringing these back now. These are the players that we're looking at for future game weeks. Um, and, you know, we may, they're not in any particular order, they're in alphabetical order, but we're looking at them by position. And like you said at the top of the show, um, you haven't got a single goalkeeper you're looking at. Um, you're happy with Martinez and there's no chance you change it. Obviously, as we get closer to the wild card, which I presume you're going to play in 25, that might change. But uh, right now, there's no other option for you. That's how you see it. Am I going to wildcard in 25? Is that what I'm doing? I don't know. But I, it's a, it's a kind of like God. majority of managers are, well, the, the popular strategy is going to be to wildcard into 25 for the double in 26. Interesting then. You're not, you're not planning that? Oh, I haven't even thought about it, to be honest. I've only seen Ben's spreadsheet tonight. Fair so enough. I don't okay. really know what I'm doing. Yeah, I mean, maybe. Uh yeah, I mean, I, I, I did. I, I think I did put on the list. You could stick Ariola and um, Sanchez on there. Oh, I missed as that. like mm. if I was looking to free up some money or something mm. like that. But nah, goalkeeper. I'm, I'm more than happy with Martinez. I'm not. I'm yeah. not. He's the only one for me. Yeah. Well, I've got McCarthy in there because of the double game week. I thought there was a chance they would have the double game week with City, but obviously we found out just before we went on air that it's likely to be Everton. So um, that's not the case now. But Sanchez, you know, I think it's four consecutive clean sheets, isn't it, for Brighton? He's been yeah, you know, he's done incredibly well since he came into the team. And the thing about Brighton is they've got that kind of Burnley and Nick Pope situation with their defence at the moment. If we go back to um, the defensive data, I think if we look here, Brighton over the last four, they've they've conceded a chance every eight point eight minutes, but a big chance every ninety minutes. So only one big chance per match over the last four. But they're conceding shots. So Sanchez always in the mix then for for bonus points particularly um, because he'll have shots to save but hopefully won't concede, which is the way it's been in recent game weeks. So Sanchez could be worth a look if you're really shopping for a keeper. Defensively, um, let's talk about Alonso because he's highlighted and he's in both our, <laughs> both our um, watch lists. Um, it was a shock, wasn't it, seeing him back? Just did not expect it. What do you make of this? I mean, it's almost like two cows going, right, I want to take a look at everybody. I'm going to shuffle it about. 
What do you? What I love do you think? it. I love it. I mean, you know, if it, I, yeah, I think it's great. I mean, he's he's come in and no one's safe. I think that's the message that I mean, it's awful really for FPL managers because. I don't think we can really consider anyone at, at the moment until a kind of a more settled side establishes. But I think in terms of Chelsea, I think it's kind of what, what they needed. Uh, and if you're playing wingbacks, there's only one wingback. Yeah. King, the, the lord of the wingbacks is Alonso. Come on, you're not going to put anyone else there. Uh, so it's, it's great to see him back. I mean, I've got, if you've got Chilwell, I think you have to sell him. I think if you've got Alonso coming in, scoring a goal, keeping a clean sheet, the system's working. So what, 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 what's the theory here then? That why did he play Chilwell in the first? Because he dropped Reese James to the bench mm. and played Hudson-Odoi at wing back on the right and he kept him in. And then there was, a, I think Chilwell got subbed and Chilwell was almost like incredulous that he was getting subbed, wasn't he, in that first game against Wolves. And whether there was a bit of attitude there, I don't know. It's, we haven't worked out what's going on yet because it's only two games into the manager's new He's only been there two matches so far. I think it's him saying no one's safe. I don't care you think that you were that? bought for 50 million, 60 million, whatever it was. I'll stick Marcus Alonso in. He wasn't let on the team bus because he had a falling out with Lampard. <laughs> you know, no one's... Yeah, I'll bring Rudiger back. Okay, there's rumours yeah. that he's pissed off everyone in the Chelsea game. I don't care. He's starting every game now. It's I don't know. It's exciting management that, that could ruin, <laughs> ruin them. But, it, I mean, against Burnley, they were... I mean, I don't think I've ever seen them more, like dominant performance. I don't think Burnley had a shot all game, did they? It was it just completely outplayed them in every way. And it was brilliant to so, see Alonso with the immediate return. And and if he I comes back, if great. he is an option again, I mean, he's one of my, I mean, just seeing him again playing and scoring for Chelsea, it reminded me how much of a favourite he is of mine. Yeah. Because I love having defenders who offer that attacking threat. And there is no one better than Alonso. Because, I mean, I remember remember that game at Arsenal when he was effectively in the six-yard box. That's exactly what I remember him from. And um, I'll never forget, they they, they got the ball down the right, mm. they crossed it in, and and someone finished it. And I was like, oh, that's going to be like uh, Giroud or like uh, Abraham or whoever's up front at the time. Mm. And then Alonso is just wheeling away. It's like, what are you doing there? I know. So it's just crazy. And... um, if he can be back, if he can be a regular starter for us, it, it's, it's, it's a huge bonus, isn't it? Because he's a player we've got to consider again. And it's like rolling back the years a bit. It doesn't seem long ago that he was in the Chelsea team, but I thought it was over. I just, it's almost like Alonso, we're never going to see Alonso in a Chelsea shirt again. But obviously not. So it's he's, I mean, he's a, he's, a big, he's a much bigger gamble than he's been in previous seasons because of Chilwell mm, there. True. I mean, but I, I, I don't really think either of them are an option because of the, the competition, mm. but he is an exciting punt. And I, I don't know if he's going to be bought on in games where he's, where he's subbed. Cause he's, I don't really know why, why you'd bring him on unless you, maybe if you were chasing the game and you wanted to get a bit more attacking threat down mm. there, but mm. I don't know, in some ways he's, he's kind of safer, I think, cause he, I think he's either going to play or he's not. I guess we just got to wait and see. We need more data, don't we? We need to see more of the team selections and, study the, the sub behaviours and stuff like that. It's, it's early days. But Rudiger already, when you highlight him as well here, at 4.5 in yeah. a defence which is ranked second overall this season, we've got to consider it, haven't we? Yeah, and Sheffield United, Newcastle to come after Spurs. I think he's just a strong pick. Mm. I think, you know, him and, him and Holding at 4.5 there. You know, you've got other players like Target and... Um, 
well, and then Sufau and, and guys. There's there's quite a lot of options actually under under five million for defenders, but the defensive stats do indicate that Rudiger and and Holding are going to be really really good picks. Mm. You just don't really get much else from them, so they're not the sexiest. They're not well, the sexiest options. Rudiger's got a set solid. piece for it. I mean, if Mount's taking corners, and you know, you still think that that Zuma's four goals early in the season. Poor Zuma. Yeah. he doesn't deserve to be dropped. No, he's been really good. Yeah. Yeah, he, I mean, he surprised us, didn't he? But he's, he seems to have fallen by the wayside with Reese James yeah. as well. I mean, it's, Hudson Adoy yeah. as a wing back, I didn't see that yeah. coming at all. He's, he's equipped for it. He's got he's got all the characteristics you need for an attacking wing back. But like Victor Moses all over again. Yeah, it is. And but Reese James, who looked to be on his way to getting you know the the regular right back spot for England in the form he was in, he was on that trajectory. And Trent was on the way down. Suddenly, there's been a complete reversal. You know, Trent's looking yeah. like he's edging back to form, and Reese can't get in the in the in the team now. So it's amazing how things change. Um, Hudson Odoi is on your midfielders um, list as he well because I think he's five Chats seven. Going mad about Hudson Odoi. Where's Hudson Odoi? He's not yeah. a defender on it's the not, game. No, he's not. I mean, defence. No, he's a he's a midfielder. He's five seven. Um, are you really thinking about that as an option? I guess if he starts getting goals and assists from that role. Well, I mean, he's he's like a well, he's poo, isn't he? He's he's the reverse out of position <laughs> option. <laughs> he's not a poo player, but he's a no. poo uh, yeah. acronym. Uh, he's a bit like Solly March when Solly March was playing at wing back for for Brighton. Yeah, uh, you know, I think his numbers were quite good, but it always puts you off a bit because you think they're going to have more defensive duties and going to mm. have to drop back. So that does that does put me off a bit. But at the same time, he is class. He is a, he is a class player and. Lampard obviously didn't trust him because, you know, didn't play him even when they had injuries to everyone. Uh, but he seems to have done something to impress uh, Tuchel. So I'm not, he's not someone who I'm like, oh, you need to get in. There's so many midfield options to be considering that are, that are ahead of him. But at the same time, if he does start putting in, you know, if he starts to start scoring and assisting and stuff, then he might be someone to consider in the future. Hence the watch list. Yep, absolutely. Um, I won't dwell on too many other names, but Zaha I want to talk about because you've got him and I've got him. And I just want to go back to the ticker. And this is the fixture ticker over the next six game weeks, ranked by attacking potential and Palace are top of that. So Zaha's next game is Newcastle away, then Leeds away, Burnley at home, Brighton away, Fulham at home. That is an incredible run of fixtures um, for a player who is obviously central to Palace's attacking potential. Um, Eze perhaps stealing some of his thunder yeah. recently. I've got. To, I mean, I was looking ahead to this period, and Zaha was the the transfer I was going to make. And I I was looking at the Rafina and thinking he's going to make way for Zaha now. News today mm. that Rafina looks like he's going to make it. I think Costa played for the under twenty threes today for Leeds, which suggests that you know if Costa's in the under twenty threes, he's not needed for the Newcastle game. So therefore, Rafina should be fit. It looks like. So I may well sit tight, but. I am very tempted to look at Zaha. We talked about differentials during this period and, and how you can move away from the template to make that little bit of difference. I think Zaha is one of those players. I should perhaps go Grealish because Grealish is sensible. He's more template. He's more consistent. But I look at those fixtures and I'm really, really tempted by it. It's particularly New, Newcastle and Leeds away next two because I think those two defences and Palace are more effective traditionally away from home as well. Mm. Are you going to talk me into it? I don't think that's a move you would do, though. Well, you, you you gave me some really good advice at the at the start. Well, not the start of the season. You know, a couple of weeks in, and I had Zh, and you said to me, obviously Zh is a good player. 
obviously he's ticking over with some like decent returns. But do you not think that he's going to be a bit of a problem for you because he's not going to hit the heights of some of the other midfielders? And that's the reason why I sold Rafinha. Because I, I looked at him and I thought, obviously a great player, obviously getting some returns. They are a bit sporadic. He only seems to be scoring away from home. And I look at mid, the midfield and I think there are so many options in that midfield that could outscore him. And it almost feels like he's a bit restrictive like to have to have a player like that who you're never really sure. Like he gets subbed quite early mm. in games where they're not doing too well. He's, I, I, I don't know, he hasn't really got that consistency that I think you'd get from Grealish or Zaha or someone else. So if it was me, I would. I've already, I sold him last week. So that's my that's my mm. answer. I just think if you're comparing Rafinha to Grealish or Zaha, I think you, you're going to get more points from the other two. So yeah. why not make the move? No, absolutely. Well, I mean, I think when we look at my team in a, in a bit, it, it's because there's an option to roll the transfer, of course, and have two going into twenty three, um, which is decent because then you can get the Spurs cover and one other change. I think my defense is looking a bit shaky there because. Um, City uh, are playing Liverpool away, right? So very, very difficult when I've got Trent and two City defenders to put a decent defence out that I'm happy with. So <laughs> yeah. having the role transfer would be useful. But it's it's the debate between Grealish and Zaha. Like, Grealish seems so sensible. That seems the route to go down. Many people have already got him. I had him before. I, you know, he's a player who often delivers something. He'll get you an assist. But I think the goal at Southampton was his first goal for some time. I think his first goal about eight or nine game weeks. So he's not as productive as you think. Against Whereas, Burnley. He didn't score against Southampton. Yes, yeah, sorry, against Burnley. Rather. So I think it's, you know, Zaha, I think, has more of a goal threat, uh, I think, strangely. Even though he's often peripheral in some games, you don't notice him as much as you perhaps should. But I do think Newcastle, Leeds and Burnley is a trio of games where he could outscore Grealish. So it is. A, I think mm. it's a close call for me. And it's whether mm. or not I want to be different and try and steal a march or whether I want to just settle down, settle in, do the sensible move, which is how I see Grealish. So that at the moment is a, is a bit of a debate for mm. me. Um, up front, we've both got Wilson highlighting. I think we've said earlier that he's the only player who looks likely to break the quartet for us. Um, I would consider Watkins as well. Of course, he's on my list. He's on yours, but Wilson is the one that I'm, I'm really watching as having the potential to, to get in and, and change things up for me. But it will depend on what we see over the next few games, whether Newcastle really have changed. OK, let's look at the predictions because FBL Pop Noodle... Josh King to, to um, sorry, just to, Josh yep. King to Everton is looking like it's confirmed. Is it? Now, that's interesting. Where would he fit in? I mean, he's not going to displace Albert-Lewin. He can play out wide. So perhaps, I guess, right side with Richardson left side. Yeah. Yeah. So that would be, that'll be, you know... If they do play King, Richards and Calvert-Lewin, that's quite attacking and that's quite fluid as mm. well. Interesting. Right. Didn't expect Everton to be his destination. Is that a permanent move as well? I think it's a short-term right. short-term move with a, with a kind of the assumption that he's going to yeah. sign. Good signing. Good player. And um, yeah, quite an interesting one. Right, prediction standing. So FBL Pot Noodle is measuring our accuracy with our predictions every week. That was your idea, as I just want to point that out. <laughs> Nothing to do with me. I'm not trying to seek more advantage over you in any shape or form. But oh, the numbers don't the numbers don't lie. Already early on, an early lead, twenty <laughs> matches played. I've got a fifty percent strike rate. You've gone forty-five, but you you're better. At, not bad though, is no, it? For both of us, fifty percent. You're on forty-five. 
We've only got three scores correct, but we have got 10 of the, I've got 10 of the 20 correct. You've got nine of the 20 correct in terms of outcomes. You're very good on the, on the, on the clean sheet slow. Look at that. 61.5% hit rate. Um, eight correct clean sheets you've predicted, which, um, so listen to ours when it comes to defensive points. Um, so interesting. That's how we stand. We're going to check in with that every couple of weeks, but at the moment, early advantage for me. Very small sample, isn't it? It is a very small <laughs> sample. Yeah. definitely yeah, going to get okay. worse. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah, we'll see. We're, I'd be impressed if we can keep a 50% strike rate up. I did really think when we, we've been doing this for, well, I guess 17 game weeks before we started measuring it, and I really thought we were pretty awful. Actually, that suggests we're not that bad. So hmm. perhaps better than Lawrenson. Don't know. We'll have to see. Maybe we should track Lawrenson's. Um, okay, <laughs> let's do our predictions for game week 22. We start with uh, a Tuesday fixture, a six o'clock fixture, which, yeah, if you are if you happen to be still at work at six o'clock, you maybe aren't going to worry about missing Sheffield United West Brom. Um, it's uh, one of those relegation six-pointers, of course. Where do you see this going? As I'll let you go first, I always do. So I'll let you go first. Go on. Yeah. Um, interesting one. West Brom, West Brom tend to be better away from home. Sheffield United have actually started to look a mm. bit like they're putting up a fight, but it's probably a bit too late. Uh, oh, tricky one. I, I actually think West Brom will win it. Do you? Yeah, I think. Well, I mean, it's one of those, oh, they need to win it. I mean, obviously everyone needs to win it. Everyone needs to win every game. It's, a bit, it's such a stupid thing to say. Uh, but... You know, I think with Brighton now starting to to put away a little bit, that that result against Spurs was was absolutely huge. These are the kind of games that Allardyce has been brought in to win, and they were absolutely dreadful against Fulham, like for such long periods. The of first that game. half was shocking, wasn't it, Fulham? God, I mean, but managed to manage to get a draw. Mm. I mean, how he managed to salvage a draw out of that game is is a miracle, and that's what he's there to do. So, I think he will get, I think he'll get something in this. I fancy him to win it. I'll go for a 1-0 West Brom. Right. You see, I'm going to play Johnson in this, so I want to predict 1-0 West Brom, but I, in my heart of hearts, I think Sheffield United are going to nick it because I do really? think there's, there's been shoots of recovery recently and the data suggests they're, they're finding some of the form they had last season a bit more consistency. Brewster actually looked a bit lively in the last game, believe it or not. So he, his first goal might be just around the corner, but yeah. you know, we'll see. But I think that... Sheffield United win it 2-1. I'm still going to play Johnston because obviously the clean sheet for West Brom away from home is always, seems to be more likely they're going to get a clean sheet on their travels than they are at the Hawthorns. They're absolutely dreadful in home matches. No idea why that is, but that's mm. the way, that's why I'm looking at it. Um, so I think one I'm, of them will win it. I'm, I'm yeah. confident on that. I just don't know. I'm not entirely sure which way, but yeah, I'll stick with West Brom. I'll go 2-1 Sheffield United. Uh, Wolves versus Arsenal. Uh, oh, every time I look bad, at Wolves, six o'clock game. I know you, you, you know. As I say, you're not going to rush home from work, are you? Um, and if you're working from home, you're not going to worry too much if you've got some emails to send at six o'clock. Um, <laughs> Wolves versus Arsenal. Every time I look at, every time Wolves come up in the predictions, I just can't see them scoring. And the last two, last two games, I've said nil nil and one nil to Palace, and I've got them right. So I'm pretty good at predicting Wolves. So I'll go two nil Arsenal. Yeah, <laughs> I again. I mean, I was the same with you know, it was Palace Wolves last week, wasn't it? And and I was like, I think Palace will score, and I don't think Wolves will yeah, score. Yeah, we both got it. Right. Like a really yeah. easy prediction. Yeah, and I feel I feel that again. I mean, what has happened to Wolves? We say every week, it's 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 just embarrassing. It's worrying. Uh, I just never. It's worrying. Yeah, I never fancy him to score. I never fancy him to get anything out of the games. Uh, I think Arsenal were a, a, a good side at the moment. They're 
defensive stats, like you said, are absolutely brilliant. So it's a terrible, mm. it's a terrible game for a team that can't score <laughs> if you're playing one of the best defenses in yeah. the league. Yeah. So I'll, I'll go. I think I agree with you. Two. You said two nil. I'll, I'll say. I'll say two 0 as well. Yeah. yeah, I think I think you're probably right with that. Yeah, I, I, it's actually true. Actually, I think the games with Wolves in are the easiest to predict at the moment because you just don't see yeah. them scoring, and you see them they're, they're actually conceding chances as well. It's not settled. They're, I don't know. It's just lots of things have gone wrong. Nuno's almost gone back to square one. He's got to start again in the summer, I think. So obviously Jimenez is a big loss, but there's been other problems. United Southampton. This is now Southampton always caused United problems, and we saw them trip up against Sheffield United the last home game. They didn't impress me at Arsenal particularly. It was a bit of a dour game overall. You kind of think United should win. I mean, if they don't get a three points here, the top four aspirations are beginning to to falter in yeah. a big way, aren't they? Um, I think title aspirations gone. I would say if they don't get a result, so I will go with two one United. I think Ings will score. 2-1. You think they'll nick it? Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for a 1-1. I, 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 don't, I don't really... I think Southampton are really unlucky against Villa not to get anything out of that game. And United have just been abject for a couple of... That's two matches now. It's Sheffield United match and, and the Arsenal game. And I don't know what it is. I don't know whether they're a bit tired or, or, or what. They, they just seem to have lost something and Southampton I think are going to come out of this slump soon because they're they're too good a side to mm. keep you know not getting points so yeah I'll, I'll go I'll go for a 1-1 title aspirations are done Newcastle Palace awful uh, in terms of well it would have been awful <laughs> a couple of game weeks ago I actually think I'm going to buy into this revival under Bruce mm. um, I do think Palace can score here so I think there'll be quite a few goals here I'm going to go two all I'm going to go a goal bonanza wow and I'll go to all. Palace tend to be more effective away from home. Zaha can hurt Newcastle for sure. But I do think Sam Maxman might actually start this game. Maybe he's not ready yet. But I do like what I've seen from Wilson and Fraser. So I'm going to go Newcastle, get a couple. Palace to also get a couple. I'll go to all. Newcastle heavily backed in the chat. Really? Most people are saying 2-1 yeah. one, yeah. one Newcastle. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not too sure. I, I've, got, I've got a funny feeling Palace might nick it. Right. Um, I'll go for I'll go for a one nil Palace. Right, interesting. Okay, well you're very good on the clean sheets so. against the yeah. against the crowd. Yeah, um, Burnley Man City only one direction. This is going. I would have said Burnley a strange team at the moment. Like, very hard to read. I mean that win over Villa was out of nowhere. Three goals as well. Um, but at the moment I don't think they're as defensively tight as they have been in the past. Data certainly shows that we looked at earlier. City. Never win convincingly at Burnley, though. They always manage to get the result and manage the game out. They always, I remember the game where Sterling missed City. Really? City batter Burnley, don't they? At they home. Win like not, at, not at Turf Moor, though. They always do oh, a, a professional Moor. performance against Burnley at, at Turf Moor. They always go there and win by the odd goal and shut it down. And I think we've seen them do that at Sheffield United this season. I think it's a similar performance for Man City. I don't think we're going to see what they did to West Brom. Um, you'd think that. I don't know how much rotation there will be. Obviously, they've got a game at the weekend as well. I, I always think Pep as well worries about Burnley, as in he arrests some players because he's worried about the physicality of Burnley. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised to see more rotation. But I think City will win by... I'm going to go 1-0. 1-0. Mm. Wow. That is very, very... Uh, yeah, that's not a big score. So, I mean, I think one thing we can 100% agree on is that Burnley are not going to score in this game. I think Chris Wood's out. 
They didn't have a single shot against Chelsea. No, there's no goal. City. I mean, but then, you know, who would have thought Burnley would have ended Liverpool's 69 matches at home <laughs> streak? So they're a team capable of causing a, a bit of a surprise, but I don't I don't think... I think, like you say, I think Pep takes this one really, really seriously. We're probably going to see the strongest team possible going out. I'll be a bit more... Uh, I think they're going to win it a bit more confidently. I think go, I'll go for a 3-0. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I, I just think City always, always approach this game in a professional way. But I, I seem to remember a couple of times they've gone there and they've just done the job and then see the game out. And, I, and they've been doing that. I mean, certainly, you know, on, at Chevy the weekend. Nine, exactly oh, yeah. That's, I mean, they did it. Yeah. So, I mean, they were like, well, you're not going to score. So if we just keep the ball, we're not fussed if we get another one. We'd like another one. And they obviously tried, but they didn't. Didn't look like they were committing too much, were they, to to the to the cause of getting second goal? They were more content with playing it around and seeing the game out. And I worry that that's what we're going to get here. They're going to get an early goal, first half goal, and then second half we'll just see them manage it. And I'm not sure Burnley have got enough to worry City into going for a second goal. You know, going really after it. So one nil I'm going for. Yeah. Fulham Leicester. Yeah. I like you know. This, I look at this and think Leicester's performance against Leeds is a bit worrying. Vardy could be back, couldn't he? So that could be a big factor, but do you think he'll be back? There's talk that he could be. Seems early. He, it's talk that he could be close to a return. Um, I don't know if it's for this game or for Saturday, but I saw stories today saying he's he's nearing returns. Um, I like Fulham in this game, though. I think they'll get something. I'm going to go one all. Vardy's out. The chat says so. Vardy is out the Fulham game, right? It must have be Saturday that he's being penciled in for. Then I'll go one all. Anyway, I think Fulham will get a point. Yeah, I think they would as well. I'll go two all. That was that was my that was my first thought, um, which is strange because you think Leicester and how good they've been and the top four potential and stuff, and you know if they if they lose to Leeds and draw with Fulham, that's kind of that's a massive dent to their hopes. But Ndidi out is just huge. Yeah. Vardy out is huge. Perez doesn't have like he's just not good enough up front. Um, they haven't got any replacement. They haven't signed anyone today. I thought they might get a, a you know some. Iannaccio just isn't trusted even slightly, is he? Uh, and I, I like Fulham. I mean, I'm I'm amazed. Parker must be fuming that they let West Brom back into that game because, like you said, dominate. I've never seen a team dominate a team as maybe Chelsea v Burnley, but Fulham, Fulham West Brom must have been close. Uh, so yeah, they're a team that can still concede goals, but I think they can score. So yeah, I'll go tall. Yeah, I I think here Leicester with Indeedy and Vardy have lost. Potentially their best, well, the best attacking player is definitely is Vardy, but the most best defensive player as well. So it's like both ends of the pitch; those two are affecting them. And I just that, that second half performance against Leeds was worrying. They never really. I mean, when Barnes got the early goal, like you, I was thinking, oh, well, he's going to he's going to get a double figure return, and Leicester are going to rack up three or four goals. And they just dropped out of it completely. Just Leeds started to dominate and and create chances, and Leicester just didn't seem to have a reply. And I just think against Fulham. Fulham will be confident. They, they, that's what strikes me about Fulham. They approach every game with some degree of confidence now. I think they know they can play and they can live with some of the bigger teams. And I don't think they'll be intimidated by Leicester without Vardy and Ndidi. So I definitely see a point. Mm. Leeds-Everton, I think there'll be goals here because I think we've seen from the data Leeds' defence will give opportunities up to Everton. Cavett-Lewin should get a couple of chances and what we've seen so far this season, he takes them when he gets them. Don't know what body part he'll convert it with, but he'll score <laughs> like left ear lobe or something. Um, so I am going to go with. Shall I go three two Everton? No, I'm going to go three two Leeds. Three two Leeds. Three two Leeds. Interesting. 
I mean, that would be, again, another massive blow for, for Everton's chances of, of getting into the top four as well. So, yeah, kind of writing off Leeds and um, Leicester and Everton. Uh, I'm going to go the other way. I'm, I'm going to back Everton for this one. Uh, I'm going to go for a 3-1, a 3-1 Everton. I think they'll, I don't think they'll keep clean sheet. It could be 3-2 or something like that. But mm. I think I think Everton will have enough. And Leeds, you know what, they're just going to be so tired. That's the thing. Well, you, say, you expect that, don't you? But you I mean, it's, I expected that in the Leicester game. I thought, well, okay, with 20 minutes to go, Leicester will get back on top, but it didn't happen. And they are, you know, many people say, well, they're going to be the fittest team in the Premier League because of the methods that Bielsa uses to train the murder ball stories and all that. They they are, you know, in terms of media retention and, and hype that commentators and pundits give them, they are, you know, right up there with the, you know, the top six teams, aren't they? It's incredible how much how much has been written about them and said about them this season. And there's a lot of myths around them. And we we do expect them to fade, but that's it seems. I mean, well, these fans are on Twitter saying that's a myth. Don't put any stock into that. So we'll see. I think as... Will as, Handley in the chat didn't get my joke. Oh, well, tired. Did you, make you don't know Leeds as? No. That was a joke. Come I mean, on, the thing is as well, down. I think that because they come up from the championship, any team that comes up in the championship is used to this schedule of midweek, weekend, midweek, weekend. So I don't think that'll catch up with them. But... Yeah, we'll see. I, I do think if it hasn't up to this point, no. it's doubtful it's going to it's no, going to now exactly. Um, Villa West Ham. I think this is a really hard one to call. This is what you know. My dilemma yeah, really about is. whether I get Grealish or Zaha comes down to this. This game. week is hard. Yeah. All of the fixtures I think are hard, particularly hard this week except for that City game. I just don't know what to expect. I mean, Villa are a strong attacking side. They create chances. Watkins isn't ruthless enough to take those chances a lot of the time. But Barkley's return is important to them. And when he scored the goal at Southampton, I'm thinking, well, Barkley's someone I should maybe consider as well. But West Ham, I don't know what we're going to get. Defensively, they've been strong, but Liverpool just absolutely bossed that game. I'm going to go nil-nil. I'm going to go nil-nil. Really? Yeah, I always <laughs> like a nil-nil in there somewhere. And I think, for me, this is the best candidate other than Wolves Arsenal but I think Arsenal win that so that'd be a shame because yeah. both both teams are, are so good like you, I think about a lot of the, the best matches I've seen over the last sort of few months and they both in, they've involved Leeds Villa and West Ham really uh, I don't I don't think it's going to be nil nil I mean I've currently got all three of my West Ham players benched and I'm thinking about it now and I'm actually thinking I'm I kind of fancy West Ham to get something out of this I think Villa were lucky and I think West Ham just gave Liverpool too much respect mm. and didn't really fancy getting at them. And you saw it with the short corners. And you, I think you saw it with Antonio's performance and stuff. I think they were, I think they were probably looking for a nil-nil or a or a narrow, even a narrow loss, or to nick it kind of late on. Uh, I think they're going to go at Villa a bit with a bit more intent. Uh, so I'm going to go for West Ham. I'm going to go for two-one, two-one West Ham. Interesting. Okay, so no clean sheet for Martinez. Right. I just see them yeah, cancelling each other out. I think they've got they're in. In similar form, um, they've both got attacking potential, but I think the defences are strong as well. I just think they'll cancel each other out. So I'll yeah, go you could be right. Liverpool-Brighton. Right, so I, I tweeted after the Salah goals that he basically made every captain poll redundant because everyone's going to go Salah captain. So with that in mind, I've got to back Liverpool win here. don't think it'd be easy because Brighton's defence, they're beginning to produce clean sheets now to go with the numbers, aren't mm-hmm. they? So one nil might be a popular scoreline. I guess two nil is the Lawrenson scoreline. So I'll I'll have to go with the Lawrenson two nil again. I think. I. <laughs> Do you think you're going to score? I don't know. I don't know. I think someone posted every we have a drink every time Matt says I don't know or something like that on these. I don't know. They're hard, they're hard to know. <laughs> if I knew them, I'd be a millionaire. <laughs> Make all my money from betting. Uh, Brighton. 
have been good against some of these top sides and it's the way Potter sets them up. And I've said it before, it's, he sets them up not just to sit back and just invite pressure. He's not going to do what Moyes did with West Ham and just let Liverpool keep coming at them to eventually they score. He goes out to attack and I think it unsettles mm. teams. I think it's going to unsettle Liverpool who haven't been that good either defensively or, or attacking wise. It's very hard to back against Liverpool to win it, but I think it's going to be a narrow, a narrow win. I, I, I reckon I'll go for a 2-1. Two, one, two, one, one, yeah, we talked about Dunk's role at set pieces. I mean, Set pieces is where Brighton can cause some problems, I think. But I, I'm expecting Liverpool to dominate again. I I'm actually was impressed with the way they defended at West Ham. Apart from the set pieces, they looked pretty good. They mm. looked in control. I wasn't expecting that. I thought Antonio would cause them a lot of problems. But maybe that had more to do with West Ham's performance. So we'll see. And finally, Spurs-Chelsea. We have no idea what the team sheet's going to be from Chelsea. We'll see if there's even more surprises. We know what we're going to get from Spurs. We're going to get a performance which is going to be aimed at winning this game 1-0, I expect. Um, one nil would be a popular scoreline. I bite back Chelsea. Mm. I'm going to go one nil Chelsea. Nil nil. Nil nil. That's that your goalless draw, is it? <laughs> That's my goalless draw. I think it's got nil nil written all over it. Mm. Spurs. I mean, Mourinho is going to be like, right? Well, we can't score against them. Kane's out. We've got no attacking threat whatsoever. Let's just not let them score. Do you think he'll change it and up for this game? Do you think that? Um, yeah, can he? Has he got the options to change it up? I don't, I don't even know if he has. I mean, he he, he did that weird thing against um, Liverpool where he put like Aurier and, and Doherty on, but then now he hates Aurier for some reason. I mean, after that ma- match, he managed to fall out with Bale, Aurier. Um, who else? He, 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 someone else was annoyed with him as well. He just seems, he's just doing his thing where he just gets on everyone's nerves. Uh, but yeah, I think Chelsea... Still aren't you know aren't scoring loads of goals. They they drew nil nil against Wolves, only barely scraped through against Burnley despite being completely dominant. Mm. I think that'll suit Mourinho. Mm. And he'd be happy with nil nil. He's okay. always happy with nil nil. I mean Chelsea normally do all right in this game in this fixture away at Spurs. I think they won it last season and the season before that maybe. But I, I just in my head I think Spurs always perform well in the uh, in the Spurs away game. Uh, mm. They had a bit of a hoodoo over them for a long time. So. Yeah, I, I think Chelsea 1-0 would be where I'm going. So let's see. Let's see how if I keep my 50% strike quite rate Quite different, up. our predictions. Yeah, week, I know. Well, this is it. It's quite nice. And see if you run in the clean sheets again. Okay, let's look at our teams. <laughs> um, so, as do you want to talk us from 1 to 11, what you're filled in for game week 22 at the moment? Sure. So I've got Martinez in goal. Uh, I've got Robertson, Cancelo, captain currently. Uh, John Stones, Luca Dean. Salah, Fernandez, Son, Gundogan, Calvert-Lewin and Bamford. And then my bench, my three West Ham players who are backing to win, uh, Antonio, Suchek and Soufal, uh, who I don't feel happy benching any of them, but I'm looking at my team and thinking, don't really know who to bench here. What you've and done. this is the problem with all the premiums being out and me having a strong squad. What you've done, you've taken a hit to get Dina and now you can't bring yourself to bench him to play Antonio. Yep. And I think that could really go badly for you. I, I, I'd be worried about not playing Antonio, even though I think I've said nil-nil Villa-West Ham. I think you've always got to start Antonio. And the player that I would drop would be Dina. But of course, you've taken a hit to get him in, so you're not going to want to do that. But I'm I, not benching Dina off the right. minus eight. And I, and, I, and I think he's up against Eiling, who who likes to likes to get forward himself. I think he's going to have a good... I think Dean's going to have a good day crossing. And I do think Godfrey could be back in the team, meaning Dean goes goes further up the pitch. Uh, I mean, I could bench boost this team. 
is, is what a few people in the chat are saying. Yeah. Uh, I deliberately didn't bench boost over, you know, the double gamer because I wasn't feeling it. Uh, but then if I bench boost this team, it's similar to what you had. Bench boost this team. You had Leeds losing 1-0 to Brian. Villa win this 1-0 and I'm, I'm in the mud. So I'm, yeah. I'm a bit reluctant to do that. But I, I do want to play Antonio. Uh, I just don't really know how. I mean, I, I was talking to Andy earlier. Uh, we did a little like video thing, a little podcast. Yeah, thing. you were seeing and, other um, podcasts on the same evening. I was. I know. I was going behind your back. Sorry, Mark. Shocking. Uh, he, he said if he had this team, he'd, he'd 100% bench Son. No chance he'd do that, surely. He captained Son last week. And he, he's, he's well, you're a, backing 1-0 Chelsea. I'm true, backing 0-0 Spurs. Yeah. This is a man who's in the top 1,000 as well. Who are we to question him? But, yeah. I Interesting. I think you've got a dilemma Tempting. there. You've definitely got a dilemma. So, do you, is this locked now? You're done? You're not going to make a transfer? And I'm, the, the captain is. The captain is. Because mm. I think the, the rest for Cancelo means he's almost certainly going to play. And I just cannot see any world in which... Burnley score in that in that game. No. I think, and I think, like you say, I think this is the, this is a game that Pep takes seriously. He's going to want a professional performance against them. I think the six points is almost locked in, and you've got a defender who drifts into midfield, and he's going to have you know they're going to sit back, and he's going to have so much room to put in crosses and to burst forward mm. and stuff. So I think a, a haul for him could could well be on the cards. Yeah, it depends. I, I mean, if Liverpool City... are going to Liverpool are going to struggle a bit, United are going to struggle a bit. Why not? Yeah, it depends whether we get a performance in City with a few goals or whether they do what I tipped which is just shut it down but we don't know I, I think I've got Cancelo as my vice so I had similar thinking in that it's the six points um, so I haven't actually got him in my vice there but I was thinking about putting in my vice I've put the old team in I've got Cavaloon as my vice at the moment um, but Salah's my captain right now just because it's I, I'm worried about not captaining him after what we saw those two finishes and the conferences mm. he'll take into Brighton game. And I do think Liverpool win. And it's like I said, when you're tipping Liverpool to win, when Mane's a doubt, you've got to think Salah's got to be earning the points. Um, my dilemma is whether to play Rafinha or sell him and get someone like Zaha or Grealish in, uh, or whether I roll the transfer for 23 and take two into that. Because like I said, I want to. I probably need to get Son for that fixture. Do Do you think if... Do you think if Spurs disappoint against Chelsea, you would consider going without Son for 23? Well, the, is that West, for West Brom? No. <laughs> right. No. Right. I mean, I, I, I did debate um, selling Son for Grealish this week because I've got, I've got the free transfer and Grealish has got... Uh, who's he got this week? He's playing um, West Ham. He's playing so he's West, playing West Ham, yeah. And then he's yeah. playing... Yeah, then he's playing Arsenal. And I, I really don't like not having Grealish. Mm. I, I love him. He's, he's great. And watching Son was painful yesterday. Mm. But it's just that West Brom game. It, you know, I'm looking at the captains and I'm just thinking, there isn't anyone else I really want to captain. And if I sell Son, I'm, I'm basically getting rid of what I think is my best captain option for that week. So he's going to cling on to my team just for yeah, that I mean, But after that, he could, he could go. You've got Son, I haven't. That's the difference. But we'll look at the captain matrix next. And that's the dilemma. It's just 23. It's just... He's like a beacon. He stands out from any other captain option there and not having him. So that's in my mind about what mm. Rafinha got the goal against Everton last time out. He's playing well. The adage that I'm working to is you don't sell a player who's getting you points and Rafinha's getting me points. So I know what you were saying about, well, he's, his upside's not that high. He's not, he's, he's, he's sealing his perhaps a single figure return. He has got double figures once this season. We've recently at Newcastle, of course. Yep. So I'm reluctant to sell him because he's been delivering for me and it's a good fixture. 
and Zaha's always a gamble and Grealish is a step towards, if you like, the template. So that's the dilemma I'm with at the moment. And I've obviously got till tomorrow evening to sort that one out in my head. As it stands right now, I'm rolling the transfer and I'm going to play Rafina because I think Leeds get a couple of goals against Everton. So that's that's what I'm going with. It's Johnson in goal, Alexander-Arnold, Cancelo, Diaz, Rafina, Bruno, Gundogan, Salah captain, Antonio, Bamford and Calvert-Lewin. I might move the vice to Cancelo uh, because what do you think about Salah's chances of being rested? If Mane's back, do you think there's a possibility of that? Could be. Could be. I think it's a, it's a dangerous game to try and predict who's going to be rested and who isn't. I mean, trying to predict, you know, you know, there's rumours around that Gundogan's going to be rested. I mean, how, yeah. you just you just can't know. Like it just, I just think if you spend too much time worrying about who's going to be in and out of the team based on little evidence, it's you know, unless we see Robertson taking Salah out of his team, <laughs> if that's I guess it's post deadlines, so you wouldn't even know, so it wouldn't even really help you. Uh, yeah, I just think it's, it's you can't worry about it, especially around this. There's so many games; anyone could be rested. We've seen it. We've seen whole teams be rested, uh, you know, throughout. So yeah, but it's because I, obviously I think it's something to Liverpool play City about. next, right? So they're you know, and and mm. I said to you about Pep. I think does worry about Burnley and and the physicality in it players. I think there will be some. There'll be a shock somewhere in that City lineup. I wouldn't be surprised. Could be Gundogan, Salah. Unless Mane is 100% and firing, I don't think Klopp can risk it. Because Brighton aren't going to be an easy team to break down. So I think Salah's all right. Gundogan, perhaps, I would say, is the higher risk for rotation. But then Gundogan's been so important to them. I don't... Does he play Jesus at Burnley? He may well go with the system he had at West Brom. So if that's the same, then he'll play Gundogan, I think. So it's very difficult. But anyway, I'm going to tweet, as usual, if I do change my mind on this, if I do go with Fina to Zaha. At the moment, I'm sticking with this and then rolling my transfer over. Captain Matrix then. We talked about game week 23. And yeah, here it is in front of us. I've got Kane in there. Yeah, I've got Kane in game week 22. He's not going to be back for 22. He's probably not going to be back for 23 either, but he's in there as a consideration. But without Son as the alternative, we're looking at Fernandes at Everton. Oh, Fernandes at home to Everton. Antonio at Fulham. Salah. Antonio. Man City and Gundogan against Liverpool. Antonio at Fulham is the alternative, I think. Hmm. But the thing yeah, is, I mean, do you remember really early on in the season, everyone was thinking as soon as I think it was after West Ham's really awful fixture run. I think they had Fulham next. Mm. And I think you, Luke and me were all saying, right, we're going to get Antonio in and we're going to captain him against Fulham and it's going to be glorious. And he didn't quite make it because his fitness wasn't wasn't quite there. Now we've got the opportunity again mm. to, to think about it. But Fulham's defence isn't as fragile as it once was. So that's mm. it, it does put you off. But. He's the alternative at the moment, but I think I have to, if I'm going to roll my transfer this week, it will be to make sure I get Son and probably change my defence up. Um, looking forward as well, Spurs are also the top go-to route in game week 26 when hopefully Kane is back. We've got De Bruyne and Gundogan against West Ham and then Salah at Sheffield United. Salah at Sheffield United, though, I remember last season, it was it was quite a, a hard watch and I don't think Liverpool roll them over by a big margin. So again, I think mm. having Son and Kane around for that. But game week 26, of course, we expect to be the double game week. So everything will change for that game week when we know who's dropping in there. So it'd be wildcard in 25, double game week 26. But you, you're not certain. So you've yet to look at that then. You don't really know for sure you're going to do that. You might do some yeah, weird strategy. I can't, re- can't really comment. I haven't really, I haven't right. really looked into it. I'd, I'd hope to save my wildcard for later on in the season. I like to play it where we've got, you know, not not a huge amount of weeks left so I can really build my team for like the final six, yeah. seven weeks. That would be the aim. But obviously if if I need to do it 
because of doubles and blanks and stuff, then I, then I will. But yeah, I can't really comment too much. I haven't really. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I've looked at these last few game weeks and, and stopped looking at fixtures beyond 24 because I know I'm going to wildcard in 25. So again, when I look at this captain matrix, I only have to worry about this game week 23 and 24, really, because I'm. I think odds are I will will play. This is weird because I feel like I've finally got my team to like a good like team. Yeah, and then, then you're going like, to yeah, two weeks. It's going to bin a lot of them off. <laughs> it is difficult to do. I, that's how I felt about the wild card at Christmas. In that I didn't want to play it, but I knew I had to because of the bench boost and the double game weeks. I I said on Twitter that I just I really reluctant to play this because my team looked really settled and I'm really happy with it. And I knew I had to rip it up and. It went okay in the end, but it was reluctant. And I think you'll be in a similar shot. You might just get back on the level again, and it's like, oh, right, okay. And then it's like, well, I've got to make at least five or six changes to make it worthwhile. I guess you hope the, the double game week steer you in a certain direction. So let's yeah. look at captaincy this week. Cancelo is in my table, so he's very much someone that I think we need to consider with this fixture because, again, Burnley scoring a goal looks very remote. At the moment, in terms of minutes per expected goal involvement, Calvert-Lewin is the go-to pick. He's out in front ahead of Salah. 143.4 minutes per expected goal involvement compared to 160.4. This is goal involvement taking out penalties. So Calvert-Lewin, again, like he was in the previous game week, could be a captaincy option. I don't think people are going to go there because of you know, what he performed, how he performed against Newcastle. But I do think there's a return against Leeds. Particularly when you look at the defensive data and over the seasons, Leeds' defence is the kindest amongst the defences up against our candidates here. Cancelo, though, obviously goal involvement is going to be the lowest there, but it's just the six points, isn't it? It's just that you think that's locked in, don't you? Yeah, it feels like it feels like there's potential for big returns, and we've seen we've seen him haul already. Just because he's, you know, people might say, oh, he's had his haul now. Just because he's had one big haul doesn't mean he's not capable of getting another haul. We've seen it all season. His, his stats have been amazing. And I just, I just think it's a, it's a really, it's the, it's him having the rest that really just makes me, makes me want to go for it because he's going to be unleashed against Burnley, and I think he's, he just offers so much uh, generally, and against a team that's just gonna, it's just gonna sit back. I can just see it. I can just see him putting in cross after cross after cross and getting into midfield and taking up some really good positions. And you know, it depends on on who else plays in the team. But if Maris is back in, he, he links up really well with, with does, Maris yeah. as well. Uh, and I think Miles will play will play this match so and, what, and what's interesting here I mean if Gundogan was certain to start look at Gundogan's minutes per shot and minutes per shot in the box he's outperforming Son so minutes per mm. shot 40.3 minutes per shot in the box 56.4 Son is at 45 minutes per shot and 65.7 minutes per shot in the box so Gundogan's rise to this consideration of the captaincy is extraordinary when you consider his data is actually stronger than Son, who was the top FBL point scorer not so long ago, not now because Salah's back on top. So it's, it's incredible. If Gundogan was nailed on, there's an argument to say we should be backing him for the captaincy, given that Burnley, we're expecting, will give up opportunities. And the defensive data suggests it's the last four matches, Burnley have conceded an expected goal, non-penalty every 52 minutes, which is the worst of the five teams that we're looking at here over the last four and they're conceding a shot every 4.6 minutes so that's incredibly high or low rather so a lot of opportunities should go City's way if City decide to go for the throat and that's what we don't know if they do what they did at West Brom it'd be massive sorry a lot of people asking about Sterling uh, in the chat and Mm. if I had him I'd captain him I mean he should start shouldn't he given that he missed out last time exactly 
And and he's had a bad time at Turf Moor before. He's missed opportunities there. But he's the kind of player that will cause him a lot of problems, you've got to think. Quick and nimble, you know, with his ball over his feet, running that pace against that Burnley defence, who are strong, physically strong, but perhaps don't cope with those players who are technical players yep. on the ground. Um, so we'll see. I mean, it's set up, but it's, it just worries me what, what Pep will do there, whether he'll manage the game out or whether he'll let the team loose and score three or four goals like he did at West Brom. We don't know what we're going to get. But it looks like um, you're going Cancelo. I'm going to play safe with Salah. I don't know if I'm going to change my mind. I think I'm going to do that. Unless there's more rumour of Salah rest, mm. which is, is very, very difficult to predict, as we've said. Okay. Um, all that's left, I think, is for the smash and likes, as usual, as It's a show 20 is, is done. Now, are we going to do another show before game week 23? I guess we have to, don't we? We have to come back later in the week. How are you fixed? I shouldn't have asked you this. should have asked you this off air, shouldn't I? Oh, the pressure. Uh, no, I'm good. Oh, actually, no, I'm not. It's my it's my birthday on uh, oh, is Thursday. It? Oh, it is. Happy yeah. birthday. My birthday on Thursday. Right. Thank you. And I'm afraid I'm Wednesday, Thursday and Friday. I'm doing various Zoom Fair thingies with people. So yeah. I don't think I'm going to be able to. I think to. having your birthday on Thursday is a good enough excuse. Don't worry. So we'll have yeah. to... Um, <laughs> We'll have to tweet our predictions and our captaincy and our teams ahead of game week 23. Um, but um, yeah, well, happy birthday in advance of Thursday. I'll be there to yeah, wish you. Nice message um, in the chat too. Absolutely. Um, yes. <laughs> so I think we had a big crowd in tonight, which is nice. I think it's the latest start time. We've got 1,800 people yeah, watching 1800. right now, which is great to see. Yep. Um, yeah. And, you know, the best birthday present you can give me is hitting the like button. You can subscribe to the channel. You might notice I'm a bit more active on Instagram these days. I'm trying yeah, to what's get going on Instagram there? presence. What are you putting I don't really up? Get it? Pictures of your food I, I, and stuff, or what are you doing? <laughs> no, I'm trying to. I'm trying to put a little story up, a little picture of like the desk saying "Getting ready for Black Box oh, with Mark okay, later." Nice. Yeah, yeah. That kind of thing. Oh. I don't really know what I'm doing, but it seems like a, a way to try and boost our profile a little bit. Well, what you're doing is follow on there as well. You're trying to just stalk Patrick Bamford, and you thought Instagram would be a way in. Yeah. yeah. The more followers I have, the more likely it is that he, you know, gets back to me. Because if he sees I've got like 20 followers, he's going to, who's this nobody? I've got like 20,000. He's going to be like, whoa, this is a big deal. It's important. Are you, get involved. are you trying to stalk Magnus on there as well? Is that is that part of you? Yeah. You've yeah. got to leave these pictures. Is, is he on Is he on Instagram? He's probably, isn't he? Yeah, Pictures of the chess pieces, various. <laughs> different shades of light and stuff be quite nice could do, do some arty stuff with a chess set I'm sure he's all over Instagram I know. yeah yeah yeah. there you go it's, uh, it's that's a good, it it's, like and sub please yeah like and sub we won't see you uh, later in the week but we'll be back next week ahead of game week 24 of course which looks like it's going to be a double game week so we'll have plenty to discuss yeah, then yeah mad um, it's a good night for me good night everyone Podcast Network.